I knew I shouldn't have named my donut shop Inferior Donuts. I just left it wide open for the competition to come in. Like, it's not my fault. My name is Greg Inferior. I was trying to go with my family. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to S1E1, the show where each week we pick a different sitcom, watch just its first televised episode, and ignoring anything we may know about the future run of that show, decide if that's a show that we'd want to green light or cancel. This week we're going to be talking about Superior Donuts. Superior Donuts went 34 episodes on two seasons on CBS. Today we're going to be talking about the first episode, which was called Pilot, originally airing February 2nd, 2017. So to get things started, I'm Jay Gags. With me, as always, the guys... Gordo, Ferg, Joe, and not Nick again. So uh, if that's why you were listening, you have to wait till next week, we think. A terrorist joke, a first for me. (laughs) That character is the goddamn best. (laughs) He is so fun. We will discuss that as we get to it. Guys, Superior Donuts, I guess to uh, just peel back the curtain, this was a show I picked this week. I knew none of you had seen it. I don't think any of you had heard of it before um, Before we did this episode. It's a show that I did watch. I watched, I, I'm pretty sure I saw every episode when it was in the original run. But am I correct? Did any of you guys even know this show existed? No. Nope. No, and it's crazy because great cast. Yeah, I'm mad about it too. Like, how did I not know about Judd Hirsch and David Koechner in a show about curmudgeonly people in a donut shop? Like, everything about that is perfect. And Katie Seagal. It yeah. blows my mind when I don't know a show because I do nothing but watch TV. So that means that means they didn't advertise it. Like plain and simple. If I don't know about it, they didn't advertise it enough. That's uh I really want to get into that later on as we talk about it, probably towards the latter end. But yeah, I have some notes that pretty much specifically deal with what you just said right there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean an amazing cast. I mean, when you look at it pretty much top to bottom, the secondary characters, the main I mean, Jermaine Fowler, who is, um, you know, the other lead uh, alongside of Judd Hirsch, uh, was pretty much a newcomer at this point. He's he's done a few big things since then, uh, like the the Coming to America sequel. Yeah, he's in that. He's in Crashing a bunch too. I don't know if you guys have seen that TV show. I don't know if that technically counts as a sitcom. It might. It's on HBO. It's Pete. I never show. heard of it. No, I've heard funny. of it. I've never seen I, it. My sigh was for Coming to America too. <laughs> not not for your thing. I thought it was all right. We got it. Okay, we got one. It was better than Dumb and Dumber 2. It was better than Anchorman 2. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll give you yeah. both of those. But yeah, let's uh, let's get right into this episode here. Um, Superior Donuts. All right. So uh, we just kind of start with this quick exterior shot of the donut shop. It's the, the name of the actual donut shop in the show is called Superior Donuts. And then uh, when we go inside, we see Arthur, played by Judd Hirsch. Uh, he's sitting behind the counter and a uh, police officer, Randy DeLuca, who's played by Katie Segal, walks in. Ow. <laughs> right who most people would best know as being peggy bundy although she's done so many big things like or leela from futurama right she's great leela. on the new reboot of the roseanne of roseanne the connors she's like dan's new wife and yep she's really fun and um that. sons, and of, sons anarchy of anarchy she's done so many big things at this point i still think that she'll forever be seen as peggy bundy first though oh yeah oh, no yeah. doubt isn't there a real dark scene in sons of anarchy with her and henry rollins and I've never seen yep. it in full. I've seen very little. Never but, um, seen the show at all. So it, it was a show that I didn't think I would like at all, but it's actually really good. But uh, anyways, she's um she walks in uh to the donut shop and Arthur asks her about uh, her new partner, who she says is a typical eager beaver rookie 
who can't wait to clean up the streets and protect and serve. Arthur's like, oh, you know, that's a cute age. And then Officer uh, Maple Cream Donut. They start real quick on the whole. There's a lot of weird social stuff in this show. I find it very interesting oh, yeah. that they both are like very pro cop and very anti cop at the same time, <laughs> like all the time. Like, I don't know where the jokes are going. I kind of like that. I didn't know where the next joke was going to land because I think they consistently do a good job of riding the line and not being hard on any side with, with a lot of things. Cause they, they tackle a lot of issues you wouldn't expect on a show like this. You mean that they're riding the thin blue line? All right. Stop it. <laughs> Or just get your new Punisher tattoo with the blue line tattoo <laughs> through it. Yeah, and also, I mean, we mentioned Judd Hirsch. He's been in a million things himself. I think Taxi's going to be always the first thing. Yeah, he'll I always think be of. Alex Riga. Yeah, yeah, Taxi and then maybe Dear John, I guess, is the second thing no, that he's not, known number for. Two, number two for me would be Independence Day. Yeah, Independence Day is big, too. But as far as TV goes, I used to watch Dear John all the time as a kid. That was one of those shows that, that was is. Like always on in the afternoon. I was going to say, I don't know if I've, I've heard ever of seen it, that. but never seen it. It's it's good. Um, God, uh, I can't remember the actor's name right now, but he plays the uh, father, Fozzie's, Fozzie's, Fozzie's girlfriend's father in um, The Muppets we did last week. He's Judd Hirsch's best friend in it. It's it's good. Well, I'm sure we'll do it on the show someday. It's it's worth watching. DeLuca's partner, I think his name's James. Uh, I forgot to write that down. He runs in with the perpetrator that he was looking for, and uh, he said he had to run four blocks to catch him, and... You know, DeLuca has a really serious face. He's like, all right, let me call dispatch. And she calls and, you know, she has this very serious tone to her at first. And, you know, be advised, the maple creams are fresh. <laughs> and and he's like, he's like, come on. Now, does anybody recognize that guy who plays the cop partner? I was going to say, from, is he cheaty from Good Place? No. No, no. no. Were, were we talking to the, the cop or the perpetrator? The cop partner. Oh, the cop partner. Okay. I have who the perpetrator is, but yeah, who's who's the cop? He was, so he, his only, I mean, aside from being on like every Law and Order, which I always can clock people for that because I spent way too much of my life watching Law and Order and everybody who's a New York actor ends up on it. He was in another show about a curmudgeonly old guy in a New York or a city neighborhood. That would be the short-lived show Cosby from the late 90s, which was the weird comeback for Bill Cosby with Felicia Rashad. When he was like, oh, we'll get the gang back together. We'll play different characters. That was, he was like a main character on that. Another show that we can never, ever Didn't cover. have um, the one dude from Cool Runnings in it, too? He had the Cool Runnings guy was in it, right? No, I think you're thinking of... Um, That's just late seasons of actual The Cosby Show. The Kiss My Lucky Egg guy? Of. Yeah. Yeah, he might be later Cosby, or it might be... the I think of the other Ted Danson show, maybe. I don't know. We'll go, I'm sure we'll get to all of them except yeah, for the right. Cosby ones, because we can't cover those. And do you know who the perpetrator oh, is? Oh, we're covering those. <laughs> That'll be a bonus episode. No, who's the perp? He was uh, Jeff from Superstore. The, uh, like the district manager. Oh, wow. I didn't pick up on that. Good call. Wow. Who's Jeff? Oh, the one with Mateo. Yeah. Mateo's like a uh, secret boyfriend. Yeah. Wow. Good eye, bud. Superstore one that we'll actually be covering pretty soon. So, so, uh, you know, keep an ear out for that. We'll be getting to that one sooner than later. Real soon. <laughs> She's talking about, well, you know, she tells her partner, Katie Seagal's character, you know, you, you kind of learn with time the, um, the ones that, you know, are important and the ones that are just kind of, eh. And he's like, really? I'm just, and he's like, I just hit up a liquor store. And she's like, oh, and there's your confession. <laughs> that was a good little gag. There's a lot of quick. The, she's the crafty veteran cop and the rookie. So yeah, at that point, um, you know, she tells James to just, you know, head on over to the counter and just order something where he's at the donut shop anyways. And he goes up to the counter and asks Arthur if uh, he has any cronuts, which uh, makes Randy and the criminal both kind of go, ooh. 
I've never had a cronut. Has anybody had a cronut before? It sounds wonderful. No, I only delicious. had one from I had one from Dunkin' Donuts, so I don't think that counts because probably their yeah, products probably are not doesn't. the same. You know? Have you guys had any D's nuts? Oh, good lord! Stop it! I hate that you planned on when you were going to tell that joke. <laughs> I'm out. I could have literally put that in at any point. Uh, that's true. Uh, that's true. But yeah, I've only had a Corona at uh, Dunks, just like Jay. Yeah, and then, um, but you can see like Arthur's. It's probably not the first time he's heard this question because he get he says what, but in a very angry tone. And the officer goes and you know to uh, further describes like it's a donut croissant hybrid. And Arthur tells him he knows what they are and that they don't sell them along with muffins or duffins or muff nuts. <laughs> Genuinely laughed at muff nuts. Yeah, muff nuts is yeah. very funny. That was like a pause because I'm going to miss the next joke. I'm laughing so hard thing. And then, right. Now, what I want to know is, are those jokes or are those real like other things? Well, I mean, if a cronut's real and it's a croissant mixed with a donut, I imagine that you can get a muffin mixed with a donut. But muffins are very thick and so are donuts. I'll say this. He said muffins first. Those are real. Yeah, muffins. I mean, like, the other, like, hybrids he mentioned. And, of course, as we always mention, muffins spelled backwards is Sniff'em. And I am not going to Google muff nuts. <laughs> so <laughs> if you want to go ahead and look that up, you can, you're free to, but uh, that's going to stay out of my Google. I'm going to go to my uh, my guy in the sky. Gordy! Sorry, my microphone was nuded. Was nuded. Um, was nuded. Uh, so there is So you're, you're nude muff nuts right now? I do. So my man Jeeves here has told me that breakfast cinnamon puffs, a.k.a. muff nut. Um, and then there's some that that's the from the one hand in the cookie jar blog. Uh, shout out to you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Reading your life story here about muff nuts. Well, it's nice we can give them some play. Everyone check out the one hand in the cookie jar blog and tell them where you got sent from. Is it just a muffin and its step muffin is also coming into the room to check on it because it's stuck in the dryer? <laughs> Additionally, if you Google muff nut pasties, you're going to get something completely different as well. So make sure it's pastries, not pasties. Arthur reminds him that this is a donut shop and that his parents didn't smuggle him in from Poland via a cargo ship uh, so that 65 years later he could sell them a damn cronut. Uh, I thought his delivery there was really great, but I think his delivery throughout the entire episode is really great. I think Judd Hurst just kills it as his right. character. That is that is just someone who's been in the game forever and he can just fucking act. Like. Yeah. 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 Because um, he does mention here that he originally is an immigrant from Poland. Gordo, uh, what's his last name and how is that properly pronounced? Pishibyshevsky. Pishibyshevsky? Pishibyshevsky. With a V. Pishibyshevsky. 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 New York. Sounds like this do I need to do I need to revert back to the uh to the to the voice note? Uh, let me let, let me get to the voice note here. Pishibyshevsky. <laughs> All right, and that's probably the last time we'll ever mention his last name because it's somewhat irrelevant other than that. <laughs> Just keep calling him Arthur. Yeah. Like, I don't call him Alex. <laughs> and that uh, that all buttons up with um, the officer then asking him for a scone and then getting kicked out immediately. I love I love that. And uh, we get the intro to the show right from there. It's a pretty quick one. It's just the exterior of the of the shop, and it's just like kind of flashing to kind of almost show like the seasons or days go by. And I I think it's really just um to show you that the shop's been around for a long time. It's just showing you that like time's gone by in this area, but the shop's been here. I think that's kind of what they were going for. I love this. I miss. We used to have a place just like this right down the street from our house called Verna's. Gordo, I think you'd been there before. It was like where is that? It was in North Cambridge by the apartment that we had in um, 
North Cambridge. Yeah, what was the name of the shop? It's called Verna's. It was like right on the corner. It was one of those places where like if you came home at two in the morning from like last call, the like baker was in there making donuts and it's all you could smell coming all the way up Mass Ave. And it was like this tiny little place with bad coffee and really good donuts. And it was very much this vibe. No, I'm a Bova guy. Boba? Bova. Bova. That's not, that's oh. North End, though. Oh, yeah. Bova Fett. Yeah. Yeah, Bova's in the North End. That place is good. I don't think I've ever been there. The intro in general. I, I'm sorry. Do you guys have any uh, comments on the specific uh, intro? How you felt about it? I'll be honest with you. The version I watched, I don't think had an intro or I just didn't notice it. It's pretty yeah. quick. I think you just didn't notice it. Yeah, it's like a really yeah. quick five second intro. I like it. I, I sometimes like, you know, obviously something like The Office gets stuck in your head forever, the theme song. But I do like sometimes I do these shows and it's just like a stinger, you know, and back right. into the show. Like, I don't need to. And now we have the beauty of the like skip intro button, mm. you know, on when you're watching something now. But before that, like if you're watching like a DVD box set of a show five or six years ago, after a while, you do not want to hear that theme song yeah, over and over it. again, you know? Oh, like, yeah. So I love that little quick ones like this. You're like, yeah, I know what's going on. We're in. Boom. And I do like what you said, Jay. It does seem like that yeah time is changing but this place doesn't it's like a good quick little you know jump in and uh from there we get into the next scene and we meet um the first customer maya played by uh anna barishnikov i don't know she looked bitch she looked familiar to me (laughs) but i don't (laughs) okay (laughs) (laughs) we're like 10 minutes in and ferg has already dropped that bomb it makes me laugh every time so why do you hate this did you not like her disney show or something no i just don't like her character she was in that movie Manchester by the Sea that everybody said was really good, but then like disappeared when all that Casey Affleck stuff happened. Was that the oh, one right. about the, uh, the the pregnant pack? I don't think so. By the way, my 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 very first note is this girl sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're being succinct about it. <laughs> and for those of you who've been listening to us for a while now, you might know that Ferg hates all women and John Mulaney. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate all women except for Whoopi Goldberg. Get better soon. So when Amaya walks in, Arthur comments on all the books she's holding, and she tells him she's changing her dissertation to a textual analysis of heteronormative structures as they relate to the postmodern patriarchy. Clearly, I had to read that. There was no way I was going to remember that. And I will say with Ferg, this character, I think it's meant to be annoying. Like, I don't think you're supposed to find her yeah. endearing like the other characters. And I agree with you. I do not like her character. She's <laughs> insanely annoying. Oh, I didn't mind it. I, I, I mean, that that was the character. Like, it, she's supposed to be purposely like that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not turn. It's not like change the channel heat, but it's like, I don't like this character. She's oh, supposed man. to be annoying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really have a strong feeling as you two did about her um i didn't think one way or another i thought she was fine she's not the character i like the least and uh we'll get into that in a little while you better not say who i think you're gonna say but i will say there's so many great characters in this show that i feel like she's almost unnecessary like it seems a little clogged up at times yeah they kind of have for a show that really is going to mainly focus around two people all the secondary characters all have pretty strong roles in this episode yeah like you could eliminate her you could eliminate the cop partner you mean like you could cut a lot of wheat from the from the bone here and uh have a different you know the same show with like less of these people around but it doesn't bother me i don't know if it is different going forward or not right and uh to go back to the scene uh maya also says that you know her dissertation is somewhat ironic because she's writing about gender roles surrounded by donuts which are the western culture's culinary representation of the vagina i mean they are 
<laughs> I wish this was a video podcast sometimes just and uh, well we have video luckily I want like a gif of Bert's reaction to Jay reading that out loud so badly <laughs> I would have said donuts are more like buttholes Dude, that's that's the western society's goatsy <laughs> wow <laughs> is that the, that's not the first goatee reference you've ever made, right? I don't think so. No, but at least it's not child goatee this time. <laughs> oh, that's what it was. That's true. That's true. I'm talking about regular old adult goatee. <laughs> Moving on, uh, but, but but we haven't even got yeah we haven't even gotten through this uh, this part yet. But uh, the response from Arthur here I thought was great because after she says that his re- his response is just uh, so what kind of vagina can I get you? <laughs> and she says, only I can say that. Or basically that he can't say that. I did like that was a good setup for the punchline, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And and like you like you said earlier, Jake, like Judd Hirsch still got it. At, how how old was he when he made this? 70s? Late 70s? I was going to say he has to at the earliest had to be in his early or late 60s. But I, I didn't look it up. But I mean, he's funny, up there. He, he got old. But then, like, he just stayed, like, looking the same for the next, like, 20 years. Right. He doesn't look any different than he did in Independence Day. Right. I will <laughs> say, though, I was, Kelsey walked in while I was finishing this the other day, and uh, Judd Hirsch now is on the Goldbergs, and he's been on it for a few years, so I think these overlapped, because he's been on it as, like, the other grandfather for a few years or whatever, and we were talking about how he's so lively and, like, spry, and he's got, you know, he's just full of everything in this, and he plays a different character, he plays, like, a really old, kind of depressed guy on the Goldbergs, and it's so weird that he can turn that off and on, because I imagine this is what he's really like, but he can also play, like, uh, old, you know? <laughs> for a guy... yeah. You know, like as known and who's been around as long as him, like Judd Hirsch, like you just, you right, he's just of that level of celebrity. But, you know, within a few seconds of this episode, I think he's already Arthur to you. Like you don't see Judd Hirsch anymore. He just becomes Arthur. Yeah. No, no. And that's the testament to, like Berg said earlier, a guy who's been in the game for right. so long. Like give him a role that he can latch on to. And I feel like he just, he's, he is Arthur, like IRL. And it was just like, I'm just me. I don't know. He could also be a really, really good actor, and he could be a very nice person. I don't know him. I'd like to think he is. I get a good person vibe from Judd Hirsch. I always have. I think we can all agree he's a good actor. I think that's Yeah, yeah there's no sure. questioning there. And uh, after that exchange is when we first meet Franco, who's uh, played by Jermaine Fowler. We, we talked about him a little bit at the top of the episode, and he walked in saying that he's there to apply for the job, and Arthur asked him to just leave his resume and that he's going to get back to him. And Franco tells him he's not really a resume guy, but he... Uh, but he kind of notes the last couple jobs he had, which were like a liquor store that turned into a Whole Foods, and he drove a truck for the Salvation Army, which is now an Old Navy. I did kind of like that the Salvation Army turned into a different branch of the service. Yes, I like <laughs> The that. Army turned into the Navy. <laughs> and uh, Arthur's response is like, oh, so you're a small business serial killer. <laughs> Again, good, quick, quick-witted. And I do kind of like this dude's idea, too. He's like a young guy who comes in looking for a job at a sort of smallish mom-and-pop donut shop, like, I don't know if that's necessarily a resume applying thing. You know what I mean? No, but I think if no. you're looking for jobs in general, well, maybe you like, have unless, a resume. Unless, yeah, all your eggs are in this one basket, it wouldn't hurt to have a resume. It's not like you have to custom make it every single time. You know, you could just have resumes ready with all your um, qualifications and past experience. I guess that's true. But of a job like this, if you have no past experience, that helps in that. Like he was a truck driver, worked at a liquor store. So, I mean, aside yeah. from maybe cash register. No, you can make a functional resume that, that transfers all of your transferable skills. 
from one to another. That's usually what you do when you want to change careers. But, you know, I mean, it, but again, if you're going into a small business like this, they probably just have an application or they just probably write your name and your number down and talk to you. Right. Like I'm trying to think of like all the smaller places. Like when I worked at the gas station, right? I don't think I filled out an application or sent in a resume. It was like, I'd work here. And they're like, all right, like show up Tuesday. I think, um, so to go back to uh, this little exchange between the two of them, their first exchange, I did think the dialogue was a little weird. The whole, like, do you have a resume? No, but these are some jobs I did. And I kind of felt like maybe he was telling him about these jobs that got taken over by big companies to be relatable to him in a way. Like, I'm used to being for you know the little guy and not the big chain. Like, I thought maybe that's why he announced it in that way. You read into that way more than I did. I think I, I think I read into but everything too much. Isn't the Salvation <laughs> Army a big chain? Well, it's a yeah. nonprofit organization. Yeah. I wouldn't call it a chain per se. I mean, like there, it, it is a chain, and the fact that there are stores and stuff all over the country, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But Old Navy is owned by Gap Inc. So, like uh, Banana Republic and the Gap. And Jay used to work at Old Navy, so he's I did got the work at Old Navy. Yes, I did. I spent a couple of years at Old Navy. I was uh, really good. You know, you know what's funny is I worked at Old Navy for a couple of years and I was really good at folding for a little while and I'm not really good at folding anymore. Like that just, you think it'd be muscle memory, but I'm terrible at it. Yeah, that seems like a skill. I've done a lot of years in a uh, retail clothing retail when I was younger and I can still fold like a madman. Oh, really? I haven't ever worked clothing retail, so I've never had to fold. The issue I have with clothing retail is I worked in back stock. So okay. everything I did is functional folding which means I fold everything so tiny because the whole thing was to fit as many as you can into like one space that no one sees. Mm-hmm. So like I probably couldn't fold anything to look pretty, but I could put you like a 70 stack of shirts that were like that in together. <laughs> he was the Baxter Stockman. Good reference. If you want to know where to put Christmas ornaments and how to pack them, I'm your dude. Oh, that's a good question. Did the, did the heat miser require a resume when you applied for that job? <laughs> I must have filled out an application. I don't think that they, I don't think that they required a resume. Mr. Gordon, how do you feel about snow? (laughs) (laughs) I can work any day but Christmas. Like, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Ironically, that was the only day of the year that we were closed. (laughs) Seems like a wasted opportunity. It is pretty ironic. I like uh, from there, Franco starts asking him about like the pay, the benefits, profit sharing, which, you know, as you'd imagine for a small donut shop where he's the only employee, you know, they are not all great situations. But uh, when he asks him about the profit sharing, he says, uh, I believe in it. I don't offer it. <laughs> I don't know why. That was one of my favorite lines in the entire episode. Yeah, I feel like in yeah, a lot of shows like this, they'd play him as dumb, but he's not. He's like, I know what a cronut is. I just don't make them. I know what profit sharing is. I just don't do it. Like he's very well aware of everything. Yeah, I feel like and later he knows about this. art. Yeah. Yeah, like this show, he knows about art. Like he's a well, I wouldn't say travel, but he's like a smart, worldly guy. Yeah, he's a well-rounded gentleman. He explains later, though, he, he knows all this stuff from um, Netflix documentaries. And, um, you know, in this first exchange with him, I think they're doing a lot. And we talked about this in the beginning. A lot of, like, social commentary and stuff they, they tackle. And a lot of their their dialogue was a lot of, Hey, you're a young black kid and hey, I'm an old Jewish man. And like, they really don't shy away from it. And they kind of like, instead of letting it just be there and something like unspoken that you obviously will notice, they, they really like lean into all these things with everybody. Yeah. It's like finding Forrester. <laughs> There's so few. You're the man now dogs, unfortunately, though. <laughs> you're the man now dog. But yeah, even I mean, with everything too, right? I mean, they have cops having like, I'm a cop. 
you know, mentality in a world where, you know, that can be an issue. They've got the Middle Eastern guy being very upfront about it and making jokes about it. They really just, yeah, you, they hit every, it's very Don Rickles. They basically just scorched earth everybody. Yeah. And then you're like, well, no one can get mad. We're making fun of everybody. I was torn at a point, right? Because I liked it to a degree. And then there were, there were times where I was almost like, I get it. Like, you don't have to tell me I can see it. I like it. And I thought sometimes they like just shot the obvious joke at you as if you didn't already notice that it was like a young black man and an old Jewish man talking or that it was uh, an Iraqi businessman. And like they, they, they went for the jokes pretty hard sometimes. And it was almost like, get it, get it. But I mean, I didn't think it was that bad, but at times it seemed like a little overkill. Do you think that that was, do you think that that not knowing any, and me personally, I don't know anything about the show after episode one, but do you think that they laid it on thick because it was the pilot? It could be. It could be that. call. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. This is also a show too, where there was a, an original pilot that they went back and retooled that I don't know if we right. I think it was originally things. done for maybe ABC or something. I can't remember specifically, but I think it was retooled and done for a different network. If I remember correctly, I could be wrong there. Maybe, yeah, but it'd be really interesting on a show like this because it's so heavy-handed with a lot of stuff. It'd be interesting to see what they thought didn't work, if it was way more heavy-handed or if it was less. Yeah, you know, yeah, maybe some casting changes or things like that too. I'm sure they were like, this isn't very good. And they're like, what can we do to make it better? Like, get David Koechner. And if that's yeah. any network is like, sold, print this show immediately. Right. Yeah. Also, Franco offers to help with like the social media and things of that nature. Cause, you know, obviously that stuff Arthur isn't going to have uh, much of a hand in. And he tells Franco that he doesn't need that kind of stuff, that it's a donut shop. And Franco's like, no, this is a donut museum. <laughs> I like this line. This is one of my favorite lines in the show. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously very slow in there, and there, there's something to be said about like those old spots that like just last on forever. But when, when the customers stop coming in, it's going to be a little tough to keep the the lights on when it, when you're just selling donuts and coffee. But it's a donut yeah. place during breakfast, and there's nobody there. Like, yeah, yeah. and that's a that's yeah. a hard sell, right? <laughs> yeah, because he's like he's like this is our slow time. He's like it's eight a.m. in a place that serves <laughs> breakfast. In a city full of fat people. Can I just say every donut he shows looks delicious? Like, Yeah, so I, I had wrote Stop that later me. on, but yeah, we could talk about this now because I don't know if they just outsourced from like, you know, maybe some local donut shop, but I don't have a very big sweet tooth at all. And I do. by And by the, by the end of that episode, I wanted to try one of those maple creams so bad. (laughs) I bet the fun thing of, I mean, like they probably get, you know, somewhat stale during the course of the day, but I bet working on this show, you just get to eat free donuts all the goddamn time. That's the crew. The crew probably, the the actors aren't touching that stuff. That's the crew afterwards. Yeah. I'm sure they would just prop food. (laughs) I don't know. It seems like Keckner and uh, Hirsch would throw down a couple donuts. Yeah, uh, we also have uh, Franco's offering a bunch of ideas kind of right off the bat, kind of a sales pitch is like, this is what I can offer you if you hire me. And he talks about the chalkboard, like getting a chalkboard out front. That's one of my and, favorite jokes. Of and, yeah, because he's like, someone's eventually going to steal it. But then they can be like, hey, you hear about the donut shop? They, someone stole the chalkboard. And he's like, oh, this is donut shop. <laughs> and, and that in turn will, will be good. Just the fact that someone stole your chalkboard will, uh, will, will be good for you. <laughs> I do like that mentality. And it is sad whenever you see like one of those wooden signs is chained to like yeah yeah a wooden planter and like a cigarette ash like the long tall cigarette ashtrays whatever you're like oh man but you know why because of kids that were us when we were kids oh yeah i never stole any donut shop 
uh, blackboards, all right? I can say specifically I've never stolen anything from like a donut <laughs> shop, but there's a lot of other establishments where we might have done less than favorable things to the businesses when we were kids. I don't know what yeah, you speak shit of. Arthur, after all this, Arthur reminds him, like, you know this is an interview, right? He's like, how am I doing? He's like, actually, not bad. <laughs> yeah, I do love, I do love their, their back and forth like that. You know, and I believe it. I believe everything about this, even if he's too much. Like, Franco is a bit too much, right? He's being a comedian, which I think sometimes comedians have this problem where they go into shows and they just start doing, like, a character or a routine. But it plays off well against... I'll say this. I think from what we know about the character at this point, I do think he warmed up to him a little too fast. He should have like reluctantly gave him the job and then he annoyed him over time. He let him do what he wanted. Like I, I thought it was like the, the bond was a little quick. I would say maybe because he's just being, and they definitely talk about this more, so I won't get too into it. But Arthur's been clearly just going through the motions of owning the shop for years and years, and it's the same customers and the same routine, and it's dwindling down. And you have this kid who's, like, excited about the shop. So he wants to work there, but he has all these ideas, and they might not all work, but it's probably the first person that's walked in there in a long time that Arthur's interacted with who is excited about the shop and the prospects of what it could be. So maybe just all that in itself got him a little more excited. I guess so. I just, I just he, he threw the cop out for asking for a croissant or whatever he asked That's for. That's true. Scone. Yeah, he wanted a scone. Yeah, well, he, you know. But he's instantly warming up to this kid like, hey, let's do this, this. You like social media? Hey, Jackboard. Like, And you know what? And that's fair because, you know, to go back with the cronuts, like, you know, cronuts are cool in theory. And listen, donut shops, there's a lot of like hip donut shots shops all over the place now like that's a thing but like scones if we're really being honest here are like the shittiest of the breakfast pastries oh I yeah concur. they're just dry they're better those than cannolis they, but... that, those are what they give you with fucking free continental what? breakfast whoa, 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 oh, whoa. i want to i want yeah let's pause everything right now um joe just said that scones are better than cannolis yes because everything is better than cannolis because cannolis are fucking awful but you love cannolis cannoli joe joe you go by cannoli joe Yes, your alias in school was Cannoli Joe. Joe, you've literally had mail sent to your house under the name Cannoli Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hate all of you. <laughs> it's because nobody knows how to spell Pizzaley. I remember one time I, like, I was like, where's Joe? And he's just eating two cannolis at once. Like, ah! <laughs> Double-fisting double cannolis. <laughs> cannolis. So actually, what are all of your favorite breakfast pastries? I got classic jelly donut. Mm. Do waffles count? No. Well, how about this? Let's 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 do two. Let's okay. do non donut category and then donut specifically because it's such as a it's such a donut centric show. We should tackle donuts. Okay. So let's start with uh, non donut. Non donut. Non donut. Um, I'm bagel guy. Would you consider that breakfast pastry? <laughs> it's bread. <laughs> you just it's said I can't bread. do waffles and you throw a fucking bagel. <laughs> I don't know. I was gonna say bagels too though, so I'm with Cardo on this one. <laughs> Give me a good sesame oh, bagel seed. and schmear. Well, I love bagels, but I, I, I thought we we're talking about like more on the sweet side. All right. I, all right I won't cheat. I, I will go with a um, chocolate chip muffin. All right. Fine. I'll go with muffin then if I can't go with bagel. I like a good, um, I like a good like apple fritter. Okay. Well, fritter's good. Not bad. Yeah. I also like, uh, like a, a cheese sugar. or a lemon, like a cheese Danish or a lemon Danish. Those mm-hmm. are pretty good. Yeah. I got to be in the mood for those. Oh, what are the yeah. things in New Orleans with the powdered sugar all over them? Um, oh, beignets. Yeah, those things yes. are bomb too. In in Poland, they have this thing called a uh, pastashiki, and it's a, uh, it's a <laughs> sweet. Um, it's like a sweet bread, like a like a. It's kind of like a um, like a croissant, but it's filled with like it could be filled with meat 
or it can be filled with uh, like jam. See, in my head, I see a daishiki that's filled with pasta. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at well, I looked at Jay when you were saying that. That's what I lost. <laughs> okay, All right. that does sound good though, Gerda. I think a ham and cheese croissant is one of the greatest things uh, ever given to us as a food. Croissant. Mm. I like those ones that have, like, spinach in it. They have, like, those spinach croissants you Ew. see in places all the time. I'm not a spinach guy, but I think a hearty croissant is a good, better than a crepe. Yeah, you got to yeah. do it, but you have to do the uh, croissant right. It has to be, like, flaky and really good. And before um, before we get back into, like, the actual episode, the donut category, what's your, like, go-to donut? Garbage jelly. Ew. You don't like jelly donuts? No. Yeah, they're always the ones I pick last. Yeah, it's not a go-to for me, to be honest. Interesting. Yeah, I'm a I'm a Boston cream pie or like a chocolate glaze man myself. I've always been uh, um with the chocolate frosted, but lately I've been getting the vanilla cream and those are bomb. I'm a lemon donut man myself. I like a good lemon donut. But to go back, Gordo, I I know you're telling the truth because for years you've always told us I love cream pies. You tell us all the time. Gordo and I have both <laughs> just been staring at each other trying not to laugh ever since you said the word cream pie. I was waiting to see what was going to happen. I well, fucking children. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. Oh, um, <laughs> no. Oh, my God. All right. uh, All right. I don't even know soap. what to say to that. I was going to make a cream pie joke initially, and I didn't. Are you going to cream pie these nuts? If, if you thought you were going to take the high road and no one else was going to go there. I... I you know what? I I already made a D's nuts joke earlier. I wouldn't say it was a joke. You said D's nuts. All right. Well, before we get too off the rails, let's get <laughs> let's get back into this. Uh, let's get back into the episode here. All right. So now at this point, we uh, we meet Foz for the first time, who's an Iraqi businessman played by Maz Jabrani or Maz Jabrani. I, I'm sorry, I don't know his name properly. Uh, I don't know if I recognize him from anything that I've Jabroni. seen. Jabroni. He's just a comedian, but I do love that his name is so close to Jabroni. Yes. <laughs> I thought it was Jabroni. He walks in and offers everyone a round of donuts, except for like this one fat guy who seemingly must have been there the entire time, but hiding in the bathroom until this very moment. Which he offers a round. He says free donuts. I don't think he means unlimited. So the size of that guy shouldn't change the... He he just hates fat people. (laughs) Correct. At this this point, at this point, he would only be buying three donuts for uh, Maya, Franco, and this random fat guy who was in the bathroom the whole time. But just like the joke is like, it's like if you were like, you know, free drinks all night to Barney on The Simpsons, right? Like it's, that's not the case hey! here. It's one donut right. for one guy. <laughs> yes. Like it's an extra dollar fifty. Yeah. I was going to say, how much could, could the donuts even cost at this place? Right. Cause it's like an old school shop. I just want to note too. He never gets the donuts for people. Also correct. Uh, and yeah, Foz is just. He's just really excited because Starbucks is opening up across the street and it's uh, going to raise the property value of all the buildings. And as a result, he's going to be able to raise everyone's rent. I get the idea of like, you know, little shops slowly like raising like the property value and like fixing up the plates, like kind of one business at a time. But the way that they talk up Starbucks this entire episode, like Starbucks alone is not going to raise the property value of all of your buildings. Like, who did you hear? They have Starbucks now. (laughs) Yeah, there's always, like, those memes and stuff. It's like, if you see a Starbucks coming, get ready for your rent to go up. It's like, no, yeah. they're everywhere. It's not that big of a deal. And also, you can still just buy, like, a $2 cup of regular coffee. It's not like it's a super it's, crazy It's not all place. Frappuccinos, yeah. Yeah. And we have a yeah. barista on our panel, a former barista. Yes, that would be me. Gordon, how long did you work at Starbucks? 
maybe a year and a half, I want to say, something like that. Yeah, it wasn't that long. Uh, yeah, that, it's, it's about the same as my old Navy run, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah, I had no idea you worked at Starbucks. Yeah, I worked at Starbucks in the North End. Yeah, yeah, near the aquarium, right? Yep, yep. This is probably why he has an affinity for Bova's Bakery. Yes, actually, it uh, is. There it is, yeah. yeah. In, the, uh, in the Golden Goose Market. That's right. The there Golden Girls our... Market. R.I.P. Yes. Betty White. Oh, R.I.P. Betty. Betty White. Well, she's hanging out with Rue McClanahan now. Like we all wish we could be. What if one Rue. went to heaven and one went to hell? You know Rue went to hell, and it's way more fun. <laughs> that dirty woman. <laughs> dirty, dirty Rue McClanahan. Yeah, so, I mean, there isn't anything crazy about Starbucks. That it, It's just a regular shop that it gives it gives off the air that it it's more valuable than it really is but delicious cake pops though it's their property it's their property the way that the the corporation looks for the storefronts like they they have like a a special algorithm and they're very particular about it well they're just a good boogeyman too for like tv shows right like that's like a they're like a a good tv show boogeyman right in a situation like this you can use starbucks as like the big corporation who's right right right. everybody knows what you mean they're the uh food service stand-in equivalent of walmart yes i want to say though if you were to think back at starbucks as far back as like gordo when you worked there and when we were younger I think the image of it is a lot different than today because it's so much more accessible to people. There's so many more of them now versus 10 years ago where I think that it's less, there's like less of this air of pretentiousness that, that surrounds Starbucks because now every, everybody has an order at Starbucks. It's not like, uh, it's not like this veiled secret anymore. Well, you, you, you're kind of hitting the nail on the head because Starbucks is so mainstream now like they're fast food uh they always were right like they're in target you know like it's not like <laughs> yeah exactly i mean they're they're fast food they they've changed just like mcdonald's um burger king and so forth but you have legitimate niche hipster coffee houses that are legitimately the pretentious oh we yeah, only sure. do pour overs and you have to wait 10 minutes and look at this white wall that has no that has like a bicycle on it to, to be fair though pour over coffee is definitely the best tasting coffee it's there such is. a pain in the ass to make though i don't want to wait to have one but if i if i have a mach- that set up at home i would do it because it's it is really good but you have to do a lot of work for it if i have the leisure of it yeah but like i've made it for people like you know in a service setting and it's such a pain in the ass i will say this when i before i was back on caffeine if i would go into like a starbucks or something right they usually don't have hot decaf coffee brewed so i'd always ask on the okay. off chance they did and if they didn't they'd be like oh well we can make you a pour over or i can make you like a decaf americano and i would always say just make the americano because it's two minutes on a machine and it's not you having to walk around constantly being like checking the water and you feel like an asshole and you have to wait there and then also it's boiling hot when you get it so you can't drink it for 10 minutes yeah. anyway i'm currently off caffeine so right now my order is just a venti iced americano decaf that's it. The decaf iced Americano is good. The uh, decaf we've talked about before should not be vilified. Decaf is no. fine. Listen, I like caffeine, but I have high blood pressure. So right. sometimes you got to make a little bit of an adjustment. <laughs> I did 10 years, no, no caffeine. And I still get decaf sometimes. If I want coffee at night. So, uh, but to get back into this episode real quick, I want to, I want to mention, yeah, we, we definitely went on quite the, <laughs> Ferg's the biggest coffee fan on the episode. I know Ferg hates, we've talked about coffee <laughs> in multiple episodes at this point, but when, um, when Foz is going through all this stuff and talking about the the property value and everything. He's so excited that he just screams up, I'm going to have money coming out of my ass, which <laughs> is a funny line. It was like, it was a funny line, but I thought it was very typical line you give the foreign guy character. Like, 
he's obviously not that unaware of how the language works, but then here he like completely says something off that you'd have to be really like novice at the language to say something like that. I didn't even catch that line to be brutally honest. So really, yeah. Well, what was weird about that? I've heard people saying I'll have money coming out of my ass. He says coming up my ass or going up oh. my ass. He says the expression wrong, and I think. Oh, he sa- to- I'm sorry. Yeah, he says I'm I'm going to have money coming into my ass. Yeah, into my ass. Oh, okay. He said it wrong. That's right. Basically, he says the expression wrong. Yeah. I'm sorry. I messed that up. Yeah. So uh, right off the bat, Joe, you said it really early on. You love this character, and for me, he's my least favorite character on the show. He's great. I I really enjoy him. I like his energy, and I think that I mean, like, look, it's hard for me to say I'm not Middle Eastern, and it probably sucks for uh you know Middle Eastern culture if you see people all the time who are getting like shit on. So it's you don't see a character like this often who gets to play the other side of it. Right? So I think they address all that stuff really well. So I think for that it's fine. My only issue with this character specifically wasn't that it existed, but I thought he was a little too exaggerated and more so than like Maya or Tush who we meet later he seemed a little too cartoony versus everyone else and where like I felt like um like Franco or Arthur or people I could actually run into and he just doesn't feel that way no he's not real he's a for sure tv show character and you know what I think it was too the the reason that he was like off-putting to me was for whatever reason I saw him and I'm like this character belongs on two broke girls Oh, I've never seen that show, so... We'll tackle that one day. Uh, But yeah, so, I mean, I think that's what it was. I got this very Two Broke Girls vibe from him, and, like, his... Because a lot of the characters on that show are very exaggerated. A lot of the side characters, at least. And, um, I don't know, maybe that's what it was for me. But I don't hate the idea of his character, and I think the way that they tackle and talk about Middle Easterns with through him was fine. You know what I like about him, though? He's, like, kind of the villain, because he's trying to, like, but they're all friends, so they don't all just hate him. He comes in, they, like, he offers to buy donuts, they talk normal and stuff, but they all get along. Yeah, it's a good dynamic where it's, he's not, like, the evil villain. Yeah, he's not, like, evil. He's just, yeah. like, a greedy businessman. Yeah, so I, I like that about it, like, because he could have easily just been, like, hated by everybody there. But now, Jay, you watched more of this show. You watched it in its initial run. I'm, I don't know if you remember this, but does it ever come out what he owns? Is it something hilarious what he does own? Or is it just like nondescript? He owns like a bunch of businesses. I think like there's a couple things that come out. Like I, I wanted to say there was a, like a, like a dry cleaner. There was a couple, but I, it's a little foggy to me because he is a secondary character and I, I don't vividly remember. Didn't he say he owed property so he could, he could up all the rent? Right. And, and I'm, I'm really forgetting some of the specifics at, at the moment. But while he was talking to, that's when Franco like, he hears the, the the rent going up. And he's like, oh, great. Now I'm going to have to move to the Lower East Side and have to dodge bullets on my way to the store every day. And Foz just looks at him and then looks back at Arthur and he goes, who's this black guy? And then uh, and he is like, what, am I not supposed to call him a black guy? Like, he's black. And then uh, Frank is like, it's cool, man. No need to blow up. Ah, a terrorist joke. A first for me. <laughs> <laughs> so they're hitting all of it. I said it before. They, they're not. They're not one to shy away from. Like, here's the old Jewish guy. Here's the black guy. Here's the Iraqi guy. Like, they're they'll they're not afraid to 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 just you know let's get it out there. I guess. And they do a good callback on the black guy joke later on too. Right. Yes. Foz is trying to get Arthur to sell the shop because he's just trying to scoop all the business in this area. He's basically pointing out that the neighborhood's just changing and that there's no place for a shop like this there anymore. People here don't want donuts. They want kale smoothies and to not vaccinate their kids. That was a weird one. I was like, yeah, it's like, it's a very, it's very different now. I mean, now we're in the early part of 2022 and the world is very different when it comes to vaccines. Yeah, I'd like to hope that somebody ever listens to this podcast and it's not that far away where COVID 
COVID seems like uh, not a thing we're dealing with still. But in the era of COVID, a joke pre-COVID about people not vaccinating their kids is kind of wild. Yeah. And we'll we'll just we'll move past it. I don't think we should get too into no. it because yeah. one of us is bound to say something that's going to upset someone else, <laughs> no matter what side you're on. Right. So uh, so we'll go right past that. Like Pfizer's step vaccine walks into the room. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so um, yeah, Maya jumps in and she agrees and she says that the area is being gentrified and it's pushing families and small businesses out. And Arthur seems kind of open to the idea of selling, but he needs a little time to think about it. And that's when Franco steps in and tells him that he can't sell the place. It's a staple to the neighborhood and he can't just, you know, sell that easily. And he talks about this time when he was six years old and his dad, you know, bought a box of donuts from Superior Donuts and brought them home. And they just spent the night eating them and watching the crack house across the street put up Christmas lights. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, that's a strange memory. Like, there's just like, like him and his dad are just sitting in chairs, just looking across the street, just, just pounding donuts and watching these crackheads put up Christmas lights. Why were they putting up Christmas lights? It's a crack house. It is the most yeah. festive crackheads in the world. Yeah. Yeah, you're not supposed to like call attention to your crack house, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, the the only thing I would pick apart from this point is he's he's talking about this like vivid memory of like, you know, uh you know, you're a staple to the community and you know, have and you had the donuts before and all this. And if it's such a staple to the community, you would think maybe he would have met Arthur before, even like quickly in passing. Yeah. Like over the ensuing, because he's like 28 years old or something, like, and this is a memory from when he was a kid. Yeah. So like over the next 20 something years, maybe you've walked in the donut shop once or twice. You don't necessarily know each other that well, but they've clearly never met at this point. It's also a classic, like, I want to support this place, this institution. I don't want to go out of business. But like, well, where have you been for the past 20 years? You weren't obviously coming here and supporting it either, you know? Oh, I was going to say that um, the only one that we know of that has come in since they were a kid is katie seagal right yeah that gets that gets tackled a little bit later you find out a little bit more of her origin and why she's a frequent customer of the shop which right when that comes up to talk about how i feel like there's a weird age disparity in that yeah all right this speech does kind of work because arthur is a little bit receptive and this is this is when um Foz is like who is this guy and he's like it's my employee and throws the apron at him so i guess he was really inspired by this little speech by franco and this is when Foz is like mark my words arthur you will rule the day you said no to me and he's like "Ooh, that sounds a little terroristy sorry about that <laughs> have a nice day he, he's like all smiles and, and, and trying to <laughs> trying to get that image out of all their head as he leaves oh i love him once again in my nose joe dash terrorist <laughs> joke <laughs> I'm a simple man. And at this point, uh, Franco tells him that he's not going to regret it and he's going to help him bring this place into the 20th century. He's like, you mean the 21st century? No, I don't. <laughs> I will say that's one of my least favorite jokes on this show, but in general, that is such an overused joke. The, but that was last century. It's like, oh, we're trying to catch you up. Well, I think here, I don't think that's the same as when you leave work on the 31st and you go, see you next year. Like, I don't think it's that. I think he's saying this place is severely outdated. So, right. But that's a joke in a lot of sitcoms where it's yeah. like, we're, or, you know, it's, we're going to make you dress for the 20th century, but it's 21st century. Like, yeah, well, we're going slow to get you a call. You know, it's, I have literally never yeah. heard that joke before for it to be <laughs> cliche to you i don't know really you watch more yeah. tv than me you've never heard that before no i was gonna say the two of you the two of you have tackled every show amongst the two of you total <laughs> <laughs> i did want to take a moment here because it was brought up and we haven't yet should we talk about the shop in general just the this is kind of the general set at this point we haven't seen any other sets but this donut shop the only set in the whole show it, it for this episode yeah yeah it's the only 
scene, I think. There's only one. There's only one other scene, or maybe two, but they go to the back at one point and they go right. out front. At they one go outside, point. yeah, but but it all stays within the donut shop for the most part. I, I I haven't seen that in a long time for a show like for a modern show. They don't do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. one location. No, and and that's that's probably has a little bit to do with the fact that it's a pilot and they're not over investing because this was already a show that they were a little in the air about because this is a retooled pilot they had tried once before, so maybe they weren't given a big budget to make this happen but i thought the set design for this shop was great i thought it was a very believable donut shop i was gonna say it looks like they just literally rented out a family-run donut shop yeah there's a lot of good attention to detail there i would totally hang there yeah i want to drink <laughs> yeah. the bad coffee and play the jukebox and just like hang out in there for well, hours well you can't because it's broken yeah i very much want a maple cream so yeah, the new scene is Arthur walks into the shop from the back. It must be the next day. He's like in that kitchen area that Ferg just mentioned and he hears a noise and he just grabs the large rolling pin because he thinks like a burglar's there. So he enters the main area again and that's when we find Frank was already there and he's painting like some of the trim on the walls, which is a little bit of an overstep. You just got hired to like, you know, work the cash register and maybe help in the back a little bit. I don't think you could just take it upon yourself to bring in a bucket of paint and start redoing the place. I felt the same way that, yeah. Well, my, my whole thing with this is the logic behind this is this is his first day he didn't get keys yesterday maybe he did i mean we don't know yeah i guess it's not addressed but i i would think that day one you wouldn't have keys but day one they they uh he says he's my new employee and then we don't see the rest of the day so he could have given him keys at any point right yeah that's true all right all right maybe i'm overthinking this but keys or no keys the idea of just walking in with a bucket of paint and starting to paint the place is a little bit of an extreme uh, it seems like overstepping a little bit yeah yeah he's not the owner i think that he's under the assumption that like him and arthur are equals here partners yeah yeah they're partners and i he's not he's an employee who maybe he's like a a manager you know who or maybe an eventual manager but he's not an owner i think any little store like that when yeah that's the thing it's still his first day but any small shop like that when you are literally one of two employees (laughs) it's you and the owner like there's obviously a you have a i don't want to say power but you the amount of responsibility you have is heightened usually in those situations because you're trusted to be everything when the owner's not there Correct. But uh, he tells him that the color that he's using is called ancient ivory, like him. This is another, like, you're an old Jewish guy, so ancient <laughs> ivory, old white. Yeah, it's also the worst joke of the episode where he says, I was looking for some Biggie Smalls and all I found was some Little Richard. Yeah, you know what? So what I thought about that, because this is the jukebox that um he tells him that he lost a quarter in the jukebox and he said what Joe just said. And what I thought was weird was in that moment, because they really do try to drive in like the we're from very different generations and we're so different and I'm younger and hip. I thought Biggie Smalls wasn't the way to go. I thought he should have used a more contemporary artist name. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a valid point. And if you're going with the whole racist thing, too, like, I love Little Richard, but maybe you say, I don't know, but you make the joke about a white guy, right? Like, if that's Yeah, but like, it wasn't even that, because I don't think Harry you were really Como. tackling. That, yeah, I, I don't think it was like <laughs> a race thing who's he looking for? There. You need to write the joke to go against the other person. Yeah, I don't think it was a race thing that he was going for. I think it was just more a generational joke that all the music is super outdated. But again, Biggie Smalls isn't the way to go, because he's been, he had passed like over 20 years ago now it is if he's trying to get him into the 20th century that's true <laughs> there it is wait for you say perry como yeah all right just wrote the joke i was looking for some katie perry but all i found was perry como boom 
There it is. You're hired. <laughs> a superior joke. There we go. Also, we haven't brought this up yet, but I kept thinking this. This donut shop is not called, like, Arthur's Donuts. It is called Superior Donuts, meaning when he opened it, there was another donut shop in town, and he was like, fuck this place. My donuts he are was superior. Star- he was Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, like, right. it's such a, like, a great, like, uh, you guys both make donuts. What makes yours better? They're fucking superior, man. I don't know. And you know what's not in business? Inferior Donuts, which is a, a TV show I also want to see the spinoff of. Yeah, there's the guy who's like, I knew I shouldn't have named my donut shop Inferior Donuts. I just left it wide open for the competition to come in. It's, like, it's not my fault. My name is Greg Inferior. I was trying to go with my family. <laughs> I want that show really bad. Yeah, right? Because of the uh, painting, by the way, this is um, Arthur wasn't happy with his decision to just go rogue and do that, but did note that he was doing a very good job. And he's like, oh, that's because I'm an artist, which uh, it's a very different type of painting, like doing like art versus like brushstrokes. For- <laughs> yeah, saying that you're really great at graffiti does not necessarily mean that you can paint a room. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah, such it's, a different it's, it's a different set. thing. Yeah. But uh, he asked him what kind of art he does. And he's like, oil, watercolor. He's like, uh, no, I do like street art. He's like, ah, graffiti. He's like, no, it's social commentary. This is a great point he brings up, though, the Banksy point. Well, I didn't think that was a great point because he says, why is it that uh, when a white dude like Banksy does it, it's great art, but when a black dude does it, it's graffiti. We don't know what Banksy looks like. Banksy could be black as well. I'm pretty sure people have Mm. seen Banksy. Banksy's identity is not known. Somebody knows who Banksy is. I don't even know what a Banksy is. He's the idiot who did like Obey. Nope, that's not him. Who's that? What? No, that's uh, uh that's Shepherd, Shepherd Fairy. Fairy. Oh, Shepherd Fairy. Oh, that's what I was thinking of because that dude's definitely white, right? He's very white. He's very yeah. white, and he's yeah. His image is on social media. Okay, I know nothing about modern stuff, so I didn't. I confused those two people. I'm sorry. He does like the the street art, like the graffiti. He's he's uh, I think he's based out of London, but he's done like pieces like in Boston. But he's a uh, Oh, Everything yeah. he does is not commissioned. So, Ferg, you've probably seen like the image of like uh, it's like a a street art of a like a guy with a bandana on his face, like throwing what you would think is a Molotov cocktail, but it's um, a bouquet of flowers. Like that is probably one of his more famous pieces. I think you'd know somebody saw it, Ferg. You're giving me too much credit for being cultured. <laughs> to be honest with you, in about a month from now, I'm going to a Banksy exhibit here in Boston that I had bought tickets for. They're showing a lot of his work. Didn't he do something recently where he like revealed a big painting and then immediately shredded it? Yeah. This is probably like a year or two ago. He oh, had it's a, that guy? He had yeah. a piece in an so auction that sold for over a million dollars. And the second that it was sold, it ought, he had it rigged. So yeah, the uh, the frame shredded the photo, that, the, the uh, art that was just purchased. Um, yeah, it was a big, uh, news piece. I would have sold, I would have sl- sold each slit a hundred grand. I mean, it's still sold because actually that became such a story that it probably made that piece even more valuable than had it not been shredded. All right. So he just has it in a big baggie. <laughs> just like a yeah. million so dollar like, investment. <laughs> he custom, he custom made the frame to, to have this mechanism to do it. Like no one knew there was a shredder. Yeah, in the I frame. do. I know that story. But yeah, no, Banksy's a very famous artist, but no one knows his identity. So I thought that was a weird example to say when a white dude like Banksy does it. Now, it could be assumed he's white, I guess, but yeah, we don't on your know. Side. When I was saying it differently, yeah. I thought he meant Shepard Fairey. Yeah, Shepard Fairey. That's, yeah, I don't like, know who that is either. He's the Obey guy. Andre the Giant Obey. Yeah, Obey. Hope. yeah he did the Obama I do, okay. Hope. I know that. Was the guy that draws like Batman in the streets and it looks like a real hole, but then you go to the other side, you're like, oh, that's not a real hole. You know what I'm talking about? You should about? know because right now you're dressed like a London DJ. <laughs> <laughs> Ha <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, Jesus Christ. Touché. I don't even have a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> well played. But uh, <laughs> moving on, Um, after Franco says that to him, he asks Arthur, are you racist? <laughs> and Arthur's answer is not yet. Good. I like the little quick witted things like that. that see, they that do. to me is... What makes that joke funnier, right? You go through this whole giant right. thing about graffiti, this and that, and then he just, two lines, he's better than everybody else. Right. And Arthur actually says, well, Basquiat started as a street artist, so I suppose you're in, in good company. And that's when um, Franco is pretty impressed that he even knows who that is. He's like, I know art. He's like, you know, why are you so shocked? He's, just because I have a donut shop, I can't like art. He's, I watch documentaries. I got Netflix. I mean, they do have a lot of uh, documentaries on there, art documentaries. There, there are a few, yeah. yeah. And Tiger King. I can say that's mostly the kind of documentaries <laughs> yes, I watch. And Tiger King. Yeah, yes, Ferg. Tiger King is also on Netflix. <laughs> no, it's also a documentary. Yeah, It is. Have you seen the new doc one? No. I, I watched the second season of it, but I haven't watched the spinoff. Yeah, watch the yeah, watch the Doc Antle one. Great. Moving on. Uh, this is when another customer uh, walks in. And this, is when we, this is when we first meet Tush. My favorite. I'm going to butcher his last name. Will someone please say it for me? David Keckner. David Keckner. Uh, his name is Champion Kind. Champion Kind. <laughs> I am in love with Ron Burgundy. <laughs> his name is Dave Packer. Yeah, he's Todd Packer. Todd Packer. Todd damn. Packer. Damn, Miss, I'm Miss ashamed that I've been so, I know, over here. I know, right? I've watched The Jeez. Office more than anybody. Wow. <laughs> I mean, he's just one of the best actors of all time. He's also got a great... He even ends up in Justified, which is a show I talk about a lot. But, like, even... He's so good, he's even in shows like that. David Koechner rules. The thing is, is he is he that good, or does he just play the same fucking role in everything he's he in? Does, he does have a, a bit of that, for sure. Because Todd Packer is the same as this character, is the same as um, Champ. I think it's all shades of the same character. Yeah, probably. Oh, I mean, he, he knows his lane, I guess you can put it like that. But Me and Frank actually had an opportunity to meet David Koechner, like, what was it, a couple months ago now. And I, I actually, in, in the time we got to talk to him, I brought up Superior Donuts because, like I said, I'm the one who picked the show. I, I am a fan of it. You know, I told him how I, I really thought the show had legs to move on a little bit longer than it did. And he had told us that he wishes it did too, because he has a whole bunch of kids. <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was an awesome guy to meet. Yeah, he was really, he was a really nice guy. I do love that though. That's like a, what's his face's t-shirt? Heath Slater's shirt. <laughs> it's like, uh, I, got I got kids. kids. Yeah. I got kids shirt. I need yeah. this job. But yeah, he walks in as uh, the two are talking and he just goes like, uh, are you being robbed? <laughs> I love that. And Franco's like, with this, like holding up the paintbrush, I've seen it. This whole thing about carrying a fax machine around and plugging it into the wall to keep, it's such a great character quirk for this show. Yeah. Yeah. He's a bit of an extreme character, but um, it all kind of works for him. But uh, also when Arthur explains who he is to Tush and say like, hey, this is my new employee or whatever. He's like, yeah, I work here, Fat Bruce Willis. <laughs> Fat Bruce Willis. Finally. So I have in my notes, Fat Bruce Willis with no context, and I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> it's like, I was so high doing this, and I remember what I wrote. <laughs> and actually, I want to address it myself. As I said it, I, I like flubbed the word, and I think I said Willish. <laughs> but so for, for people who heard me say it before, oh, I heard myself say it too. I definitely, I don't know why it happened that way, but it did. Bruce Willis is going to come kill you. That's Sean Connery <laughs> saying it. Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. <laughs> You know, Arthur tells Franco that Tush is his most loyal customer. He used to um, come in every day before his shift when he worked at the John Deere factory. 
And uh, even once it closed down, he just continued to come in every day. And that's when Tush uh, goes on to explain that, you know, the factory closing down was actually the best thing that ever happened to him. And now he works, uh, you know, where he wants, when he wants. And it's called the gig economy. So he walks dogs, he delivers pizzas, he models, mostly print. And, uh, you know, as he's saying <laughs> that, though, I'm like, I cannot live that way. I could not live week to week not knowing exactly how much money I'm making and like no. where it's coming from. I would be so stressed out 24-7. I don't know. I don't think I have the ability to relax anymore. I think I lost that a few years ago. So the idea of like getting a taste of that, like I don't think I'd be like, oh, I should go when I have some free time and deliver some pizza. I would either be all or nothing. Right. I mean, it's not that different yeah. than like the life of like a freelance artist too. Like when you do photography and things like that, it's, you know, you're very gig to gig and you have to learn how to like budget. And, you know, usually when the going's good, you make a good amount of money. They can coast when there's no work, but. And then do your taxes quarterly. It's just too much stress. I think I, I need structure. Yeah. I mean, the flip side is, is that sure. You don't know how much you're going to make, but in the same sense, your earning potential is unlimited. So that's true. kind of the the, that's true. the flip side. But you're right. It, it, I mean, but in the end, it, it, it equals itself out. As he's explaining that this is the way he goes about his work, uh, this is when he does set up the fax machine you mentioned earlier, just like right on the counter. And um, I'm going to be completely honest. I've never used a fax machine in my life. I've never once sent a fax. I have. I have. And every single time, every single time I've used a fax machine, I've like, curse the technology I'm like why are we even using this like old ass like dinosaur machine yeah it's, it has to be upside down and it has to go a certain it's an interesting yeah. thing i did it a yeah. few times when i worked at staples a billion years ago we have you know pdfs and scanners and other things electronic stuff like maybe sure maybe the government might still use fax because it can't be intercepted or whatever i guess but for day-to-day people for day-to-day people you don't need a fax machine but i did right. buy a all-in-one fax machine maybe i should just start spamming our you know s1e1 to various fax machines because you ever have fax spam no i've never used a fax machine when i worked at the airport we would have to fax things all the time and for some reason, there were restaurants, some of which not even in the Boston area, that would fax us their like daily specials. And you'd get like 10 faxes a day sometimes of just like menus for daily specials. So one day I was like, all right, enough. So I just printed out a black sheet of paper and faxed it to one of these people a hundred times in hopes that it would just kill the toner in the fax machine. <laughs> That's good thinking, actually. And uh, for those of you listening, um, we did announce earlier Nick wouldn't be here. Nick's been able to call in for a little while, so um, you're going to get Nick from time to time. Via, via satellite. Via, via satellite, satellite in the back of a police <laughs> van. <laughs> you look like one of the wet bandits. <laughs> Your van. Hot ice. They're the sticky bandits now. Yeah, so before Arthur heads to the back, back room, Franco stops him because he has like more ideas he wants to tell him about for the shop. And he's telling him that he could totally amaze him with a thousand dollars. And Arthur's like, you know, why don't you mildly surprise me with fifty dollars? Is and, and Franco's like, oh, I get it. You don't have that kind of money. And Arthur assures him that he does. It's in the emergency fund, which um, apparently he hasn't touched in thirty years. Which is really important to note because this definitely comes into play later in the episode. You know, it's it's a good a good little note point if you caught that when they brought this up at this point. Yeah, that that line did strike odd to me that they would at the time it did yeah, yeah for sure yeah the, why would you bring that up yeah because like, like, like an old man doesn't he doesn't need to prove to this 
this young and oh, I have money. I have an emergency fund. Like you know, yeah, exactly. But yeah, it, it definitely comes into play later on. Well, he he just called them poor though. That, that's why he said it. Yeah, but I mean, you don't have to specifically like. You could just say I have money, not I have an emergency fund. Like you could just say I have money. Don't worry about it. I guess. But uh, as he continues to play with them for the money, he's uh, he's like, this is an emergency because like Starbucks is going to put you out of business. So like, let me save you. He goes, what are you, Black Jesus? And he's like, uh, first of all, that's redundant. And again, like we, we've I've said this a hundred times now. Like they very much lean into this. If uh, if you were just listening to this episode and not watching the TV, like <laughs> you would very much be aware that uh, Franco is black at this point and that Arthur is an old white man. But Jesus wouldn't be black, right? Jesus would be Middle Eastern. Middle Eastern. Middle Eastern. If you were yeah. to look at like where Jerusalem actually sits on a map, yes. Like that should be Foz's joke. Yes. Yeah. Which, like, that would actually be good if they, like, redid that later on. Like, if they had retold the joke and then Foz corrects him. Right. Like, that would be the way to do it. So Arthur does end up giving him, like, $200 to, you know, let's see what you can do. And as he's doing that, Tush gets a fax from the hospital and he says, oh, they need a donor. But he's not sure if it's for blood or sperm. And he said the last time he guessed wrong and they were not happy. I actually, I don't know if I told this story before. Did I tell you when I went to the hospital the one time with my delivery of stool sample and they thought I was a courier? No. So this is reminded me of it. So I had to do a stool sample, like when you put it into like one of those, uh, like, you know, like the little cowboy hat looking things. So they're like, yeah. And then you just like come back and you drop it off. The, the thing you like put into the toilet, it's almost shaped like a cowboy hat to like, you poop into this thing. Oh, got it. Got okay. it. To catch. And then you like scoop it out or whatever. So they're like, yeah, take this, put it in a cooler, come down here. Right. So I show up like the next day, I do what they tell me to do and I've got my giant courier bag on. Right. And I don't have an appointment or anything. So I go to the front desk and I'm like, hi, I'm here. I have to like drop this thing off or whatever. And the girl just like not picking up what I'm saying. And she was like, well, you can just leave it with me. And I was like, at the desk. And she's like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> So I like flip my bag over. I pull it out. And I'm pulling it out, and I see her eyes go wide. She's like, "Wait, what is it?" I was like, "It's a stool sample." And she's like, "Oh my god, sit down, sit down. <laughs> It's my poo." <laughs> and then they sorted it out, and I got to go give it to a doctor. And then she like definitely did not even look at me when I walked out. <laughs> All right, lady, here's a bag with my crap in it. <laughs> I was like, "If you wanted at the counter, sure." <laughs> Seems an odd on place, but here we go. You should have just allowed that. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> just not told her. Like, if I had known in the moment what was happening, yeah, just, like, <laughs> let it run. Be like, it's my poo. <laughs> just... Well, anyways, uh, we, we cut to the next day, and then uh, we see Tush and Franco are looking across the street. It, apparently, this is the opening day at Starbucks, and there's already a line down the street, and they, ha- they haven't even opened up yet. And Franco reveals his plan to lure people in uh, who are just tired of waiting in line, and this is when we meet Sweatpants. Just real quick, though, not to tangent off again, but they live in Chicago. There is probably right. 5,000 Starbucks in the city of Chicago. There's a line waiting for it to yeah. open. Depending on what area, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's not one that far away. And they have a pretty good transit system. So even if there wasn't one in your neighborhood, you can get on the train and probably catch a Starbucks a couple stops away. Right. You could Uber Eats one. I have Uber Eats Starbucks sometimes. It's the yuppiest thing I do. Oh, oh yeah. I was just about to say that. Yeah. 
But yeah, no, it's, listen, it's a sitcom. And then, you know, as much as we dissect and we really nitpick, but you got to give them a little bit of a sitcom pass for that. Do like, they have to pay Starbucks? Maybe. Probably. I don't know exactly how that works. I don't works. know, because later on when the manager of Starbucks shows up, he's not wearing a uniform or Starbucks. I had that note too, yeah. yeah. Um, later on, we meet the guy, a manager from Starbucks, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But yeah, he's very much not in anything remotely looking like a Starbucks attire at all. Which is very easy to replicate because they don't even have a set uniform. It's, it's just like green, wear right? this color shirt in black pants. and green. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like the green apron over a black shirt. So yeah, very easy to replicate. But in any event, yeah, they're just sitting there watching over it, and we meet Sweatpants, who's um wearing this like giant donut suit, uh, like a like a big donut costume. So was that made out of a tire? It had no. weird ridges on the side, and so I had in my notes that like it looks like a tractor tire. <laughs> It would be so, so heavy. He wouldn't be able to walk (laughs) if that was the case. Um, But yeah, this is when um, we get into the thing with, he tells him that some of the sprinkles are gang colors to watch out for, you know, what area he heads into. I like the idea of a gang being so angry and so uh, like proud of their colors that a giant walking donut goes by with green on it, and they're like, fuck you, man. Yeah. Pow, pow, pow. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, Jelly would come out of the donut as he shoots him, right? Yes. <laughs> raspberry all over the streets. Yeah. So I believe this is the error in geography. Oh, really? Tell us about that. There's an error, error in geography? <laughs> what? So the character says not to go north on Foster Avenue because of the gangs. But Foster Avenue runs east-west, and the gang problems in Chicago are nowhere near Foster Avenue or uptown. This is according to people on IMDb. Ooh. I, it's like, it's literally like the, the, the all, all actually like crowd, so. You heard it here first, as first reported by people. <laughs> From Illinois, both of them. He also makes a... Uh... So so I guess the plan is for sweatpants to just pass out flyers and do that in the suit. But he also gets a, a video out of sweatpants before he goes to put on the new Instagram page. Where he just says, who wants to go nuts for donuts? And the the only, like, if we're going to be nitpicky here, as he's recording it, they then both look at Arthur for, like, kind of this, like, approval of the message. Arthur, um, I'm sorry, Franco turns away with the phone before sweatpants is even done talking. So even if he's going to post this video on Instagram, this three-second video, it's going to be cut short by the fact that he moves the camera away from sweatpants before he finishes the one line. So it's just a really shitty video. It's a yeah. terrible video. This is not the way to launch a new social media campaign. Speaking of social media, you can go to S1E1Pod on Instagram if you want to follow us. And I would assure that we do not cut away after just three quick seconds. So then Arthur asks if any of this is going to work, and Franco tells him on top of this, he also has a poetry slam that's set up for the shop tonight, and he posted a bunch of dope-ass Yelp reviews, and he's like, dope-ass is good, right? He's like, yeah, dope-ass is good. So Arthur tells Franco about how this place used to be back in the day when uh, the factory the factory had three shifts, so you know the John Deere factory, I assume is what he meant, the one that uh, Tush worked at. So people were having breakfast all day. And he mentions how the jukebox used to work back then and the air was thick with the smell of donuts and cigarettes. I'm like, oh, yum. <laughs> you know, that sounds terrible. And it is. 
but that must have been so fun. Just like a chain smoky coffee donuty like nineteen eighties restaurant. Like take me back to there right now. That reminds me of like when I was a kid, we when we'd go to IHOP, like my mom was a cigarette smoker back then and they used to have a smoking section that she oh, would yeah. just insist that we always had to sit there and I would always plead, Can can you just please not smoke a cigarette while we're at IHOP so we don't have to smell cigarette smoke while I'm eating my pancakes? I still will never forget the name of the smoking section at the hilltop was Sioux City because that was the one that we always sat in because everybody in my family smoked. And as a kid, you were like, oh, I don't right, want to sit right. in Sioux City anymore. <laughs> For those of you who are not um, from the uh, like the North Shore, Boston area where we all come from, the hilltop was a like a steakhouse restaurant that used to be uh, not too far from us. Yeah, RIP. And uh, they had different sections that were all named like Sioux City and Suffolk City. Dodge and City. All that. Dodge City, yeah. Yeah, um, remember when we went to Moosick, Pennsylvania? I do. And we went to uh, that diner that we we all went to get a bite to eat, bite to eat, and then we went to this little diner in Moosick, Pennsylvania, and we saw ashtrays on the table and realized you could smoke in there. And I believe all how, how, there must have been like ten of us, right? It was a lot of us. It was a two down. car trip, yeah, two car two car loads. We all hotboxed that uh that that poor diner. So. I smoked in a in a bar right before COVID in Florida, and it was the weirdest thing ever. I didn't know what to do. Like, you feel so uncomfortable, but I was like, oh, you can, I will. But after one, I was like, I hate this. this is awful. I forget where I was that I was allowed to smoke inside. I, I was someplace. Oh, I always do that in the airports whenever I go overseas. Like, I always feel weird sitting in the airport smoking because in the U.S. there's like, it's like no fun zone on the international flights. But like, once you hit like Germany or anywhere in the EU, you can smoke. When we flew home, um, me, Ferg, and Nick were all in Nashville a couple of years ago. And on the way home, there was like a smoking area that you could like pay $5 to go into. So if you wanted to like smoke while you're at the airport, they had like a designated room. It wasn't like an outdoors evented room. It was just an area you were allowed to smoke. No, it's like a little glass cube room that has like exhaust. Yeah, it was uh, it was, it was very different from anything I've, I had noticed in other airports. Oh, yeah, if you go into Europe, they're all over Europe. Flying is a nightmare. That's worth five bucks. Joe, I wanted to ask you specifically... The last couple of minutes of dialogue in this episode, we got him mentioning Yelp reviews and Instagram. You tend to hate this kind of stuff when it's brought up in shows. Yeah. Like these modern this. references. Did it flag you at this point? Did you take note of it when this was being said? Yeah, I have note of it. And like, I don't know that the first thing I thought of was like, I get it. Like people use Instagram for stuff and I'm sure people follow restaurants, but I don't know if I've ever read a Yelp review as a reason to go someplace or not. I'm right. sure people do, but I, I don't know if I, I don't know. It's a weird thing. I think I sometimes just don't feel like I get what people are doing anymore, but it wasn't like I understood it because it was what people are doing and because right. it's in the context of trying to tell somebody who's older. The actual reviews themselves, I, I never really care about because it's usually people that love or hate something. Like the 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 neutral comments, the more accurate ones are never the ones that actually yeah, get same posted. Same with Amazon. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, the best advice I'd ever got from someone when it comes to like picking out a food place through Yelp is just look at the pictures people took of their food. Just go by that. Just give it the eye test. Like, go. you'll, it's a good way to check out portions and generally if there's any quality like you can you can usually do a good eye test that's a good idea i was gonna say i know that like with yelp the problem is is that like yeah you're right but 
all of these places like live and die by these reviews, all these small businesses. Like it's really weird. We had that problem when I worked at the hotel that like if we had like one or two off reviews, even though everything was fine. On like TripAdvisor or something? Yeah, on TripAdvisor or Booking.com or one of those sites. It's Or Yelp even because Yelp started getting into hotels. They're not just restaurants anymore. You know, like you, you could see kind of a little dip. Like, so it's, and I imagine it's even worse for a small restaurant. I will say, I wish I had checked because we went to Canada a couple of years ago. I think I told you this, but we picked this restaurant or this hotel because it was like halfway point where we were going and it had a bar in it. We're like, cool, we've been driving all day. We can have a drink. And then there was no bar. There was just a guy with a bunch of, you know, nips and soda water. It cost like $9 for a drink. So, so yeah, also um, to go back, you know, after this uh, recount of the cigarettes and donut smell, uh, Arthur says, I wonder what happened to all those people. And that's when Frank was like, they're probably all dead from the cigarettes and donuts. <laughs> That is a tough life. <laughs> if you're hanging out, smoking, and drinking coffee, and eating, and eating donuts all day, you probably don't have a huge expectancy there. And right after that, we get the we get the two officers, DeLuca and um, James, walk back in, and James is telling uh, Randy, like, you can't just give someone a ticket for being annoying. And she's like, I can, and I did. And that's when he goes, fine, but I'm not paying it. <laughs> and uh, I think it was like a very obvious joke, but it did get me. I like. Yeah, he had a really good. He had a really good delivery. I don't know what it was. Something about the way he responded. I thought he did a really good job there. But this is when we get the uh, the Randy DeLuca backstory a little bit too, because um, Arthur tells Franco about how he was basically best friends with her father, and uh, despite the fact that he never tipped and cheated at bowling, uh, but he would always take her to the shop uh, when she was a little girl. And because of um, how frequently they were there back then, she said she was kind of a porker. And Franco said that she looks pretty good now. And she's like, I don't know if I should be flattered or drug test you. Um, Joe, you mentioned earlier something about the age disparity when this was mentioned. Yeah. I mean, they're 20 years apart, but it seems like it didn't make sense. to Like, I mean, I guess he could have had that place really early, really young, but they're only 20 years apart. So if he was 25, she'd be five. Yeah. And that's, and you're talking real life age difference. So you could even give it a little bit of a TV bump in either way too. So he could be theoretically a 30 year old man and she's a five year old girl at that point. So it's not that crazy. And also to be fair, I think the case of always looks and plays way younger than she actually is. I mean, she looks, yes, that doesn't look her age at all. And that's a way. I don't know. I mean, in in uh, the Married with Children, she looks old. Maybe it's just her style. It's the style the and the way she's presented back then. I think the big hair and everything and the in the stronger makeup. But yeah, she also, after that, she turns and she notices this painting on the wall, which uh, Franco goes to show it to her. And right as he gets to the wall, he turns back to her and he says, wow, I must trust you. I just turned my back on a Chicago cop. And again, it's just like that um, that willingness to go there, right? The, to tell that kind of a joke without any hesitation. The show takes a lot of bold steps with that. Yeah, and then her response, too, is she just blows him off. She's like, I have my body cams on. You're like, wow, they're <laughs> really going for it on both way, both directions. Yeah. And uh, the painting is called Arthur in the Sky with Donuts. And <laughs> Arthur's Arthur is really impressed by it. And he tells him that he should go to art school. And you can kind of see that this like puts a smile on Franco's face, just like him saying that like he's talented enough for it. I'll also say like full discretion. I really liked that painting. And if that, it might be available for sale somewhere, maybe on like Etsy. I didn't you look. You a print of it? There's no doubt. That's something that like if it, it wouldn't match the current colors, but if I was to redo my kitchen, I would potentially hang that up in my kitchen for sure. Black Judd Hirsch with donut basketballs. <laughs> right. Yes. Because we, we find out because Arthur asks why he's so dark in the photo. 
And it's because it's a repurposed painting that was originally Michael Jordan and those donuts were all basketballs in the original version of it. I also like the idea that he painted that picture recently. Like, I know it's probably from when he was a kid, but I like the idea that he's like 30 in 2018 and he's still drawing like little kid Michael Jordan fan things, you know? Right. Well, I mean, it is Chicago. He's still like an absolute legend there. Just like oh, you sure, see like yeah. Larry Bird art around Boston still. Or Rocky in Philly. Right. Or Rocky in Rocky Five. Ugh. Ugh. Just want to bum out, Jay. <laughs> I hate Rocky Five. Oh my! I'm not gonna get into it right now. I'm not gonna get into it right now. So, um, th- right after this is when we get um this yuppie couple that walks into the shop because they had read the Yelp reviews. So apparently that was working. And Franco jumps right up and he's like, "Oh, welcome to Superior Donuts. May we interest you in one of our artisanal confections, handcrafted by our in-house donateer." And uh, the man says he's trying to stay away from dairy. And I thought this is one of the funniest little things that happened in the whole episode because Tush gives him this like dead stare and he just says. So let me move this creamer. And he just like slowly moves the creamer back away from him. <laughs> he's like, he just hates this type of person. Yeah. Uh, he's on fire in this whole scene, by the way. Yeah. Tush. They ask if um <laughs> they have anything that's soy based. And Arthur says, no, everything here is food based. Yeah. Fuck those yuppies. <laughs> and he asks if he can interest them in one of his famous ma- maple creams. And the woman, like without ever taking her eyes off her phones, like, uh, no, thanks. Uh, I'll have a grande mocha macchiato. And he's like, we only sell coffee. Like, isn't that coffee? It's like, no, that's Italian for overcharged me. I'm a pretentious millennial. He just, it's just like when the cronut thing was mentioned earlier, like he's very set in his ways, almost to a fault, right? You are made to dislike the yuppie couple for sure. But the fact that he's so angry when anyone wants anything that's not a donut or a cup of coffee, like every time it infuriates him. I'm with him. <laughs> Of course. Me too. Yeah. There should be separate lines in every coffee shop. If you want just coffee, you get to go in an express line. If you want whatever the fuck she just ordered, you have to wait. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Dunks and uh, Starbucks started doing that in the mornings. I know Dunks has an express line. Certainly not uh, at the airport. I haven't seen any of them anywhere near here, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, and like stand, certain standalone ones. I know in uh, Cleveland Circle, they had one, and uh, in downtown Boston, they have a... Uh, express line well that's good i mean that that certainly helps because yeah. trust me when, when i'm just trying Truck to order my rules. black coffee and i'm waiting like forever because the, these poor people are making these co- like complicated drinks one after another after another mobile mobile water ahead every 10 you get a free free dunks kid mm. oh no i don't do my coffee at dunks but we'll get into that another day i'm sure we'll talk coffee again no more coffee i was gonna say we've hit ferg's uh, coffee talk quota for the day for the year <laughs> Yeah. So, um, so obviously these customers leave and Franco says that this is just kind of like a learning curve to deal with. And, uh, the new client base, you know, is something that he's going to have to learn, you know, maybe they should try some new flavors like Sriracha or Nutter Butter. And honestly, like he's saying this and like Sriracha seems weird, but I think of all of these kind of more hipstery donut shops that exist everywhere now. And like, that is so something you would see there. Like absolutely a hundred percent. Absolutely. I don't think they get that weird. It's just oh, peanut they butter. They do. But Nutter Butter is just Nutter peanut butter? butter, right? Peanut butter, but it would probably have like that cookie, like some sort of a cookie, like crumble. like and, and honestly, in those cases, they'd probably legit just crumble up Nutter Butters and put them on top. So Right. But that that I can see being good. Who the fuck wants to eat a sriracha donut? That's what I'm saying. I've, I've never seen anything like that. Like the weirdest I've seen is bacon, which is normal now. I have. You go to these weird hipstery donut shops. You, you've me, you've seen like sriracha donuts before. Maybe not sriracha specifically, but there are things in that wheelhouse that you would you would see, and it wouldn't flag you as that odd. I think. Um, what's the one in Somerville? The big the big donut place, Union Square. Yeah, I think that they've done a couple of one off ones. 
with the sriracha before. I oh, like an April gross. Fool's sriracha donut where they tell you it's a jelly, but it's just full of sriracha. You take oh. a bite and then you have to fucking no, kill it yourself. No, it was like, on, like the frosting. It wasn't like, you know, it's filled with sriracha. It was like kind of like a drizzle. Yeah. It's still not a taste I would want with my sweet donut. Well, I you agree. have to balance it with something else that you just don't have the cultured palate for. <laughs> not a cultured palate. That's <laughs> disgusting. Nothing <laughs> says culture like donuts. <laughs> I, know, I love the idea of trying to class up donuts but uh yeah arthur says that he's the one in charge of the donuts and he kind of walks off and at the same time you can hear tish's fax machine go off again and he just landed a gig as the assailant at a women's self-defense class he announces it though <laughs> this is the hardest laugh i got the entire episode like, gig coming in that one really <laughs> i lost it at that yeah it's a great show <laughs> and i don't know if this is how the rest of the show goes but if the majority of his interactions are just like him getting these calls explaining the terrible situation he was put in and then going yeah i mean it happens perfect yeah also i would have loved to have seen him at that job just getting beat up by women yeah i also want to spin off of just his gig a spin off called gig economy that's just him going to do all these terrible jobs yeah just touch doing a new weird job every day all right guys i think we should try to crowdsource this we should i'm sure he'd be down (laughs) it sounds like he'd be down yeah so anyways, Arthur is, uh, he's looking out the window later that day at all the people in line for Starbucks and how like not a single person wants a donut. And Randy lets him know that, you know, it's just a slow day and that the regulars will still stand by him. And this is when we get Foz entering again, um, with, with the Starbucks cup, like not cool Foz. And he's like, what? I have a weak spot for a caramel frappuccino. He's like growing up in the marshes of Iraq. All we had to drink was actually we had these Starbucks are everywhere. I thought that was a good line. Yeah, I mean, but doesn't that defeat the whole premise of the show that people are super excited that there's a Starbucks if he just announced they're everywhere, even Iraq? Are there any, um, Gordo, can you get on that one? Can we find out if there's any Starbucks in Iraq? I will ask Jeeves. Give me one second. Okay. Just make sure you dodge the mustard gas on the way in and the torture <laughs> and the traffic on Ramadan. I was trying to think of what his thing was. I couldn't think yeah. of. I wanted to say it. But I couldn't <laughs> think of. Took me a minute. It's also one of those clips. If isolated poorly, would come off terribly too. Oh yeah, but it's like he's saying it, and he's uh like authentic to that area, so like yeah. you, you can get away with like telling those jokes. But yeah, Foz makes another attempt to buy the shop at this point, and this time Arthur's a little bit more receptive uh, than before. And he's because at this point he's actually ready to talk some numbers. And Franco stops the conversation and tells Arthur that he can't sell. Arthur snaps back at him. And he's like, I tried your ideas and they didn't work. You know, so he's going to close up early that day now. And Franco's like, you can't close early. We're going to do the poetry reading tonight. He's like, roses are red. No, we don't. <laughs> and just walks off. <laughs> That's so good. And Franco says it's, he's making it really hard to help him. He's like, I don't need your help. I, you know, I make the best damn donuts in Chicago and um, I'm doing that delivery like no justice because he like really hammered that line. in. I thought like he really like acted up on that one. So, guys, there there currently is not a Starbucks in Iraq. However, there are somebody in at the beginning of last year, right around about a year ago, made a Starbucks Middle East Twitter account and had a fake opening in in uh twitter and it, it they make it look like there is a starbucks in herbal iraq i'll see if i can find these tweets and i will uh put them on our twitter which you can find at s21 pod on twitter but to answer the question 
no Iraqi Starbucks. Yeah, long story short, no, there are no Starbucks in Iraq. You know, this argument between the two of them kind of, it, it gets a little bit more heated at this point. And Franco tells Arthur he's too grumpy and stubborn and stuck in the past. And Arthur fires back telling him how, like, don't tell me how to run my business. You can't even hold on to a job. You're barely holding on to this one. And Franco says he doesn't want to work there if Arthur's just going to roll over and die and let his business go under. And that's when Arthur just throws Franco his backpack and he tells him that he's fired. So Franco storms off, you know, and as he's leaving, Sweatpants walks in with a giant donut costume again, talking about how, uh, you know, he's ready to get his poetry on. And I'll say this. I didn't like that it ended with the sweatpants coming back in thing. I think a lot of sitcoms feel the need to, like, cut every serious moment short with the joke. And I think some of the tells of, like, the really great ones are the ones that aren't afraid to keep it serious for a moment. And I think this is a moment where they should have kept it serious. And, like, you're going to laugh once at seeing the donut costume. You're not going to laugh the second time. So you're really making it wear even thinner. Yeah, because they even stretch it. It's not even, like, a one-liner. They give, like, sweatpants, like, another line afterwards, too. And I just thought it just, that whole little part could have been clipped right out. And it should have just ended with Franco storming off. So Foz walks in talking about how he hates this neighborhood. And they're always stopping progress. And he has Arthur walk outside to show him that someone spray painted um, on the Starbucks logo. And now the mermaid is no longer holding a cup. She's holding a cannoli. Guess, yeah, (laughs) perhaps a cannoli or a flashlight, perhaps. But um, uh, one thing that I noted about this that did bother me, this is the only time that I think they go outside. It's not as noticeable on the wide shot, but when they do like this kind of more close up on their two heads, it is very, very clear how green screen they are. Like, and it didn't look good. Like, it was really, really bad. And that kind of took me out of it. Yeah, like if you think of a show, and I'm not saying Seinfeld just to say Seinfeld, but if you walk down the street in Seinfeld, right, they have a one block radius built little city. Are you trying to tell me that at whatever studio they're working at, they don't have an outside exterior for one static shot? They don't walk, they don't move, they just need a background. It just seemed lazy. Maybe it's because it's a pilot, but it definitely looks like you see it and you're like, whoa, that's It was very, very obviously like green screened, yeah. Why cheat? Why cheap out on like bad green screening? The show, the whole show's been in one place the entire time, so you know it's not that expensive. They could have spent a little extra money to make that effect right. work. But there's just like legit outdoor sets. You could literally just have them walk outside and stand in front of a brick wall. You wouldn't know, right? Like, True. Or they could have just opened the glass door and been standing in front of the door and looked out, and the camera could have been behind them. Like, there's other ways yeah, to do that's it also to not true. use the CGI. But, uh, yeah, Foz mentions that he's already been in contact with the police, and whoever did it's going to end up in jail. But Arthur already has a pretty good idea of who did it, and Foz is like, the black guy? So Arthur tells him, you can't keep calling him that. That would be like if you always kept calling me the Jew. And then that's, and that's when he had, like, that sobering moment. He's like, you do call me that. Don't you? Oh my god, you call me that. Yeah. That was that was I a love good callback. <laughs> that was really good. So now the next scene we have uh Randy walking and asking if Arthur remembers the color of Franco's backpack. And Maya was in there, um, and she was quick to note that it was brown, maybe more of a chestnut, and that it matched his eyes, which apparently she got lost in them, and says that she couldn't have been the only one who did. And Tish is like, no, me too. <laughs> that whole scene would have been unnecessary, and I would have been so mad that they brought her back for that if you didn't get Tush. Yeah, right? he made that whole line. He saved work. it. Apparently the Starbucks manager had called uh, after catching a glimpse of the person who did tag the store, but all he noticed was the the brown backpack i guess he must have caught him on the very tail end i guess that's somewhat believable he's probably running with his hoodie up away so you would only see in the backpack exactly so you catch the backpack really quick 
Randy had told Arthur that Franco does have some priors, um, all graffiti related, nothing too serious, but because of them, he could potentially be doing jail time for this. And maybe Arthur could stand in as a character witness. And he's like, what for? It doesn't work here anymore. And they're like, because he risked jail to get back at your competition. Like, you know, obviously, despite their argument and the fact that it doesn't work there anymore, he wasn't just kind of saying all this just to say it. He did believe in the donut shop and didn't you know, want to see it go under to a big corporation. Yeah, no, he walked the walk and he talked, you know, he talked the talk and he walked the walk. Yeah. I mean, it's admirable and we'll see, you know, it's rewarded. That case is a, a house of cards. He never would have been convicted. All they had was a backpack. Like, that's the only brown backpack in the world. Yeah, exactly. Perhaps. No one saw his face. No one saw anything. Unless there's, there's footage. They, they could, they, there's no way he could have been uh, convicted. Yeah, exactly. Could bring him in for questioning, but. Yeah, unless, the, like, there could have been cameras and other businesses and stuff, too, though. Like, think of the marathon bombers, right? Like, they had footage of those dudes walking for, like, six blocks or whatever. Footage in my work. At your work. And also related to a backpack. Yeah, and if they open up this, you know, Franco's backpack and find cans of black spray paint, like, that's not going to help. So, you know, she tells, but anyways, she tells Arthur that, you know, she knows why he's upset and it's because he got his hopes up and he's like, yeah, what did that get me? Now I'm out 200 bucks in 47 years. And, you know, she says like, get your head out of your ass. And that ever since his wife died, that he's kind of just been going through the motions. And yesterday was like the first time that he looked, you know, like he finally woke up again. And I do think that moment, you know, for me to just explain, it doesn't know justice. I think Katie Seagal's performance there was really good. I think she, she did a phenomenal job there it's kind of surprising you don't expect that much depth yeah it gives you a lot more backstory about arthur's character like just in that little bit of storytelling right there and i think that goes back to ferg when you talked earlier about like that comfort level and him warming up to him like it kind of all makes sense when you keep this stuff in mind right like yeah. he's he's being optimistic for the first time about his own shop in, in a long time since he lost his wife he's just kind of been coasting for all these years this kind of like after that moment because again the delivery was so well and it really created this mood right at that point the jukebox starts playing and it's like oh man like franco fixed it and it's like see he's good for you and then boo. <laughs> it's like you know it, it worked for like two seconds and i kind of like that they went that way with it took a little bit of the perfect scenario away and it's like well he's not a good repairman but he's good for you and at that very moment is when franco actually walks in and he's just there to pick up his paycheck the other officer and um what james and the starbucks manager must have spotted him as he was going in to get his check because they follow into the shop right behind them. And this is where we get the Starbucks manager in the non-Starbucks uniform. Exactly, yeah. And uh, they're like, yeah, that's the backpack, which is funny to me, because obviously they were only identifying them by the backpack before, but when you have the cop and the manager go in and they're trying to identify, usually it's like, yeah, that's the man, but it's like, yeah, that's the backpack I saw. <laughs> I'd never forget a backpack. And I like that uh, Tush is going to defend him at that point. He's like, oh, it looks more orange to me. But notes that in the self-defense classes, they use real pepper spray, so his vision might be a little off. <laughs> Again, gig economy, the TV show, needs to happen. Exactly. Yeah, it does. And uh, I guess that was enough. They're like, you know, we're sorry, Frank, but like, we're going to have to question you and like bring you in. So they start to like handcuff him, and he just says, like, can I call my mom? Can I call my mom? This is when Arthur finally stops, and he's like, wait, you know, it's it's my backpack. And the Starbucks manager is just like, he's pissed. He's not going to take that. He's like, what? Oh, really? He's like, yeah, yeah, sure it is. So he, you know, grabs the bag and he opens it up and he's like, see, this is my Afro pick <laughs> and my oregano pulling out, you know, a, a green substance in a bag that I don't believe was actually oregano. He's like, and yep. And this is the spray paint that I used to deface your store. 
<laughs> Just think that he has to own up to that part. Arthur asks him, like, if he will, you know, drop the charges. If he gives him the, he has this twenty five hundred dollars. He pulls his shoe out, and uh, once he takes off the shoe, like he's he just has a stack of money in his shoe. That was his emergency fund that was referenced way earlier. Uncomfortable to step on. That's a lot of. That's cash what I was thinking. On. Like this wasn't like a few bills. Like this would notably like increase your height on one side by like yeah. a, by a couple inches. No, that wasn't his shoe. It was like stored away. That's not the vibe I got. No, it was like inside of the cabinet. Why would you go look inside of a shoe? That's why. That's why um, the cop wouldn't take it because it was in his dirty shoe that he was wearing. No, but it could have just been an old shoe that he just had underneath the counter. It's his counter. Then why put it in a shoe? Because he's old. (laughs) I don't. (laughs) Old people keep money in shoes. They keep it in like mattresses. Well, in any event, am I the only one that thought the emergency fund would have been a lot more money? Especially if you've been saving it all this time. Yeah, 2500 is not a ton. Well, it's just, you know, no one ever said it's his life savings. The way the way the emergency fund was brought up earlier was, again, to set up the scene later on. Yeah. I don't think yeah. we're to really assume that he has no other money, but this is just his side emergency fund. I would, I would assume. It's probably just p- petty cash. But yeah, so Randy grabs the money from him, but not before like picking up one of those like whatever kind of what kind of paper is it like before they grab your donuts to throw them in so they're not touching them directly with your hand. Oh, it's uh, like like wax paper. Yeah, yeah, it's like that. It's kind of it's not quite parking paper. It's called something. Though, what the, yeah, no, I can't remember called, what it's actually it's called. called. Wax like disposable like tissue paper. It's actually called tissue paper. It's I love that you're using that. <laughs> doing this the whole time to describe it. And then Joe's doing the same thing. So th- for those of you guys listening, yeah, they're moving their hand in like a grabby motion, but you obviously cannot see that. But um, yeah, the the manager like reluctance reluctantly takes the money and walks off, but he's still really mad about what happened. And I get it. I mean, they did deface his store. So it's not like he's supposed to just drop it and be cool with it. But he was like very like extra grumpy face over the situation is like, no, I'm still mad. I imagine that he's the great grandson of uh, Greg Inferior. And this is just another sting to the family legacy. But you know what? You know, you just had your grand opening. You're probably super stressed out. You've been working to get this like uh, place up and running. And now it finally opens in the next day. There's a phallic Par- object in the hand paper. of your logo. Yeah. Is it parchment paper? Yeah. I thought it was too thick. Anyways. We'll get back to it. We'll figure it out. We'll, yeah. we'll report back. So anyways, the guy leaves and uh, Franco just ends up seeing by going. And once again, the white man gets off. And then uh, the next scene is we're back in the prep area, like the back kitchen area, and Franco walks in while Arthur's working, and he thanks him for what he did. Arthur tells him that he should never have defaced the property, and Franco agreed, and he just said he was so pissed, and he didn't want to see, like, Starbucks put him under and out of business. And he tells him, you know, you gave me a job, you listened to my ideas, and you said I should go to art school. You know, he notes that when he told his dad about art school, he just laughed in his face. And Arthur's like, what? Like the guy who brought you donuts? Because that's the marking of a real parent. Like, you know, how is he not supportive? He even bought you donuts. You know, he tells him that was just like a one-time thing. And most of the time, he was just like tearing him down and telling him he was nothing. And, you know, in senior year, they got into a big fight and he finally stood up to his dad. And when he got back from school, all his stuff was outside on the street. And uh, he even caught a guy trying to steal his sweatpants. Which is how he met sweatpants. <laughs> I like that. Uh, Ferg, do you say wax paper? Parchment paper. It's, parchment. it's not. It's guys, called wax paper. You guys are so hung up on this. Like, <laughs> it does not. It, it does not matter. But yeah, you know, I do. I do like that they addressed why sweatpants has the name sweatpants. It doesn't change the fact that I dislike that that's his nickname and that they call him sweatpants for the duration of the show and it's an unnecessary category uh, character just like a goofy name i like the name it, it, it's like i mean think about the show i mean it's out there enough that it makes it funny right i mean wasn't for me but whatever 
But uh, Arthur tells him, you know, he, you know, he's glad he's pursuing art, but no more vandalism, and he can't keep bailing out his employees. And that's when Fran goes like, "You're hiring me back." He's like, "Yep." How's that for ass dope? Which I thought was a really nice callback to uh, earlier when he found out about the term dope ass. Yeah, a lot of good callbacks yeah. in the show. He's like, did I get that right? He's like, no, it's dope ass. And like, you could see like, uh, they cut to Arthur just kind of be like, ah, damn. Like, because he, he thought he had it. He was like really proud to learn this new term. And he, you know, he flubbed it up. It just makes me think of hashtag. <laughs> right. From, uh, from Mulaney, which we uh, put out a couple weeks ago. If you want to go back to the archives, he tells Franco, you know, it may not hurt him to try a few new things around there. And Franco says, you know, he's feeling the urge to give him a hug right now. And he goes in for the hug and Arthur just hands him the tray of donuts and tells him to resist it. And I thought that was really <laughs> nice, too. It was like, look, let's cut off the sentimental moment right now. Yeah, I thought it was done in a really nice way. Uh, Arthur says he's going to be taking 10% out of his paycheck until he gets all of his emergency money back, which I imagine your salary at the donut shop to, you know, to get to the 2500 is going to probably take you a little bit. But 10% at a time, that that's like fair. 10% out of minimum wage is going to take forever. If he's making that much, yeah. And then he asks, well, can I at least get my oregano back? And Arthur tells him I'm taking 10% of that, too. <laughs> and that's when it closes out with just uh, Franco's kind of tickled by that. And he's just like, well, you're going to need some of these donuts then, aren't you? And he, like, chases them out back to the main storefront holding the tray of donuts. And that's the close episode. And I thought that was a really good way to close it. I thought that was, like, a good, subtle enough joke. Didn't need a big punch. Just, like, something to kind of smooth over. I, I thought that was a kind of the perfect ending. Yeah, quick little fun weed joke. And yeah, that's um that was a, the conclusion of that episode. So um as far as Superior Donuts goes, you know, before we move on, anything else you kind of want to note about the show or anything involving it that uh, you think needs mentioning? No, I think we were pretty exhaustive on this one. I was going to say, did we mention that David, uh, th- the guy who plays Tush, was recently arrested? No, for what? what? When? New Year's Eve for DUI and Hit and Run in Simi Valley, California. Classic champ guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I hate that. Uh, Simi Valley, according to ABC whammy. Seven, whammy. Yeah, ABC Seven in LA said Simi Valley police said that they responded to a nine one one call of a driver who ran a stop sign in a residential neighborhood, hit a median, and then fled the scene. Kuchner was pulled over and given a field sobriety test, according to police. PD said his blood alcohol level was one and a half times the legal limit. It wasn't years. It's, not even that uh, it's I, I know I, did, I said I wasn't going to talk, but it, first of all, go to Ritz Keckner, and I am in Simi Valley right now. Oh, hey. don't watch out for the median. Yeah, it's our man in the field. Medium. Watch out for uh, Todd Packer. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess there's not much else to say about the show other than you know I brought it up early on. You know, like I said, this is the show that I picked. I do think that it's fair to say, you know, judging by the cast and, and other things, and we're going to get into the green light or cancel in a minute, but I think just the fact that you guys didn't even know the show really existed until it was suggested for us to cover says a lot about how poorly it was advertised. And, you know, I'll see how everyone feels at the end when we actually rate it, but I just feel that maybe if more eyes were on the product, there would have been a little bit more of a stronger following and the ratings would have been a little bit better. And maybe that's why it only lasted the two seasons. And that, again, is depending on how you guys all feel about it when we rate it. So let's get into that and we'll do the green light or cancel right now. Two seasons? Two seasons, yeah. yeah. Wow, I thought, this was a one in, I thought this was a one and done kind of no, thing. No, it had a second season, so I, wow. I thought it, it caught some legs, but uh, let's get into the green light or cancel. Uh, Gordo, I'm starting with you. Green light. Uh, I liked it enough. I'm surprised I never heard of it, or uh, yeah, I'm just surprised I never heard of it. Uh, and it being on network television, usually I do hear of those shows, and I just choose not to watch them, but 
I didn't even know this one existed. I thought it was funny. I think it hit all the all the right marks. Like we said, Judd Hirsch is a genius actor, made this really funny, brought his veteran presence. Green light for me. Joe. Yeah, like Gordo, I didn't know this existed, and it's for sure a green light. I really, really enjoyed everything about this show, and it's one of those ones that I'm immediately just going to go buy the season of it so I can watch back and forth, like watch all of it, the two seasons. I, I think it was that good that like it's on my list for this weekend. So uh, I love Judd Hirsch. I can't wait to do Taxi. I can't wait to do Dear John. David Koechner is amazing in this. It's a green light. Ferg. After the last two weeks, Mulaney and then Muppet Sex, this was just a breath of fresh air. I, I really enjoyed this show. And when I think of a sitcom, this is what I think of. Like the typical like old school sitcom, one location, few movements. Like it is just so star studded. I, I can't believe all these people are in this and I never heard of it. So they really dropped the ball. And that is a hundred percent green light from Berg. Nick via satellite. Yeah. Um, I hate Judd Hirsch. I hate this show. I'm just kidding. I love Judd Hirsch. Judd Hirsch is a gem. He's one of those dudes who, unfortunately, I feel like you don't really think about until he's on screen again. He has aged really well. I don't know if you guys talked about this. Yeah, we talked about I, it earlier on. Yeah. Did you talk about like how he was like the decrepit old dad in Independence Day in like 1998? I don't know what happened. The guy's aging in reverse somehow. Uh, but yeah, star-studded cast. Like you guys said, this must not have been advertised well because I didn't hear of it either. I love this show though. Um, the only quip I have with it, I guess, would be is Franco. Like I'm not in love with that guy, but I could see myself coming around on him. So uh, with everybody else there, that's definitely a green light for me. All right. So yeah, with me, again, I've mentioned I'm the one who suggested the show. And, and a big reason I did was because I liked the show so much. And I felt like I was on this planet where only I was made aware that the show existed. So like I watched the entire run of the show and knew nobody else who had ever watched it or really even heard of it. So, um, but even then by picking the show, you know, we then have to go back and watch just the first episode. And I'm like, well, d you know, just cause I like the show doesn't mean the pilot was strong. So who knows? So I was a little nervous to like present the show to everybody, but I thought this was a really strong pilot. So, you know, I'm green lighting it as well. And, um, so I'm really excited that you guys all got to watch this show and all enjoyed it. Yeah. I think the cast was phenomenal. All I can think of is just maybe just poor advertising. I, I really don't understand why it didn't catch on a little bit better because I really think it has everything. I don't think the David Koechner character works with anybody else. I feel like I would have been annoyed by every one of those lines had it not been David Koechner. Yeah, I think um, it definitely felt like that role was written for him. I think when that part was written, he was the actor in mind. And it would be very difficult to think of someone else playing him. But yeah, I mean, that's it, guys. Um, five for five for Superior Donuts. So kind of crazy to have a show that's this under the radar score a perfect rating from us there you have it so i mean there are two seasons available it's on paramount plus if you want to watch it i don't know where else you can find it but it is available on paramount plus and i think you could buy the episodes um through your cable provider if you'd like and i would suggest to anyone who's interested to check it out i thought it was a phenomenal show i, I wish that more people had watched it in the original run and that it it had lasted a little bit longer, but from the S1E1 guides, we are giving it the green light. It does live on to see another day. So thank you to everyone who listened. Um, that's all we have for this week. Again, go to S1E1pod.com. That's where you can find all the links to everywhere to listen to us, follow us on social media. I'm begging you guys. We appreciate all the listens we've been getting lately. We've definitely seen a nice little uptick, and we are super, super thankful. And now we are asking you, please spread the word. Please follow us. 
on Instagram and Twitter if you don't already, because that really helps us out. That helps us engage with you, find out the shows you want us to do. And uh, we really enjoy hearing feedback from everybody. So please follow us if you don't already. S1E1Pod on Twitter and Instagram. But that's it. That's all we have for this week. Tune in again next week. Thank you. Goodbye. I think we got the best gig economy. Ass dope.